Welcome back to the 411 Podcasting Network. I'm your host, Larry Zonka, and this is episode 75 of the 411 on Wrestling Podcast. You can follow us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, the411mania.com website, and any major podcasting platform. Please make sure to subscribe to our show, share us around on social media, and if you have time, leave us a five-star review on the app of your choice. Joining me, as always, is my co-host and friend, Jeremy Lambert. Jeremy, how are you tonight, sir? Well, it is Saturday night, or Sunday, or Friday, depending on how this gets edited. Uh, And it's a a long weekend, but a a good weekend for the, the combat sports and sports entertainment world. That's right. It is a busy weekend. This show, we're going to be covering the NWA Into the Fire pay-per-view, ROH Final Battle, and WWE TLC. Well, full reviews of all the shows. Uh, we are taping a little bit out of order in the spirit of full disclosure. We are taping after the NWA pay-per-view now on Saturday night for this opening portion of the show. And so we officially start the show with NWA Into the Fire 2019, Jeremy. The NWA hitting pay-per-view on Fight TV. And... It's a uh, you know, pre- pretty uh, big deal for them, obviously. You know, they obviously did things like NWA 70 and stuff, but they're, um, we're really ramping things up now in the power era of the NWA as they do have a weekly outlet on YouTube and now doing pay-per-view. Yeah, this was their first pay-per-view in the power era, so first pay-per-view with a, a TV build. Um, and according to them, the pay-per-view buys were, were better then I think uh, I think it was Crockett Cup that they were better than, but maybe seventy as well. So that's a that's a good sign that pay per view <laughs> buys were were up coming into this event with the uh, with the television that they have. Yeah, that's definitely good news if that's the case. If especially if it's ahead of NWA seventy, because as as you remember, NWA seventy had Cody on it. I think it's a good sign if it's ahead of ROH Final Battle. <laughs> Well, I mean, yeah, obviously. And no offense, not trying to be an asshole. Don't think that'd be overly hard these days because just the uh, the low level of interest in ROH. And uh, there seem to be, it seems to be a strong audience in support of the NWA right now. And uh, we will break down the show, Jeremy. Did you have fun watching the show, first of all, before we get into everything? Yeah, I like that it started at 6 and ended by 8.30. It's, more pay-per-views should do this. Fuck yeah, I like that uh, The Last Takeover, it was like a quick show like this too. I greatly appreciate shows that do not go on for four hours. Because when you start hitting that four hour mark, man, you have to be putting on a really, really great product throughout to keep everybody's everybody's attention. Even if it's a great product, like some of the, and maybe it's the, the time difference, but even like Wrestle Kingdom is, is four or five hours. And like all those matches are great, but still by that fourth hour... I'm just like, all right, I, I've had enough. Yeah, and I, I, I kind of agree. I think part of it is the time thing. I, I tend not to feel tired at the end of Wrestle Kingdom as, as opposed to, say, like a, a, a B-level WWE pay-per-view that goes overly long. So That's fair. But, I mean, I, th- I do think that's a fair criticism, though, and I, I wouldn't blame anybody that gets tired watching a four- or five-hour Wrestle Kingdom, so don't feel bad if you do. It's a long show, and especially if you're dealing with the time difference. But NWN did a fire 2019, Jeremy. We started off Eli Drake defeating Ken Anderson 9-12 via pin, according to my stopwatch. Um, I thought that this was a good, basic, and strongly worked opening match. I thought the right man won. 
Thought it was a right uh, the right uh, match to kick things off because Eli Drake is obviously over. The crowd really likes him, and they definitely seem to have some plans for the guy, which I don't blame them at all. So I thought it was a good little opening match. Yeah, nothing nothing wrong with it. They they didn't work outside of their comfort zone or anything like that. It was it was perfectly acceptable. They didn't do anything wrong, but they also didn't like kick it into a second gear and like, oh, okay, this was like it's something I probably won't remember in a couple of days. Ken Anderson never really been a fan of the guy, so maybe that hurt my enjoyment as well. He's a little bit out of shape nowadays uh doesn't move as well as he used to eli drake is is good but this wasn't going to be the match where he was going to like show off his his world-class wrestling skills but the right man won and so that is a good sign yeah and i thought it was better than i expected honestly because i'm with you on ken anderson never been overly a huge fan of his I, i never thought he was that great in the ring uh, I expected him to really drag it down, but again, I thought it was a good, basic, solidly worked match, and I, I enjoyed it, so it was a fine opener. Uh, next up, we got a Nick Aldis interview. He uh, praised the NWA rising from the dead, making it to pay-per-view, and he's headlining. He's holding the real-world championship. Him and James Storm have the chance to live forever in tonight's main event. He's going to take him into the deep waters. David Marquez asked him about Camille, and all Aldis said was Camille had the night off. So he declined to comment, basically, again. James Storm arrived and um, says they all did this as a team. The fans came along for the ride because this is the NWA, and tonight he's going to prove that he's a tough son of a bitch, and he's going to become the new champion. thought it was a good little promo segment. Yeah, I, I liked it. Um, the, the whole, like, we're doing this for the crowd and all that stuff i can kind of live without but as far as just building to the the match that we've already paid for it was fine yeah uh we got a little pre-match promo from tasha Steeles, who was making her debut tonight talked about she was going to bring the latino heat in her debut uh she kind of did but she lost to thunder rosa four minutes and 20 seconds via pen jeremy your thoughts I like that she got a pre-match promo. I never expected her to win because Tasha Steele or uh, Thunder Rosa is someone they're clearly semi-high on, especially with her doing the the MMA stuff as, as well. They can, I think they they definitely see her as like a, a crossover kind of star. So uh, Thunder Rosa was probably always going to win this match, but Tasha Steele's at least got a chance to show off her personality a little bit in the pre-match promo where even though she lost, we, we still got to know a little bit more about her and she was treated as more than just enhancement talent coming in to put Thunder Rosa over. Yeah. And I also thought that was important because it was her debut and she's not a big indie name that a lot of people would know. So I thought that, that, yeah, that was very important to give her a little little talking time, get a little personality over. I thought they had a perfectly solid little match. It was short. The goal was to put Thunder Rosa over. I thought Steele's got a little bit of shine. I think she's actually really good. Um, she was another one that ROH had a look at, but she opted not to sign with them. She had a title shot against uh, Angelina Love at the Toronto show, and... So um, she's definitely, she's another one from that, uh, the Damian Adams school where like Deanna Perrazzo and a bunch of people came from. So she has a good background, has a lot of potential, I think. It'll be interesting to see if they use her more going forward because they definitely need to mix in some more women going forward. I mean, they have a better roster than ROH's Women of Honor at this point, just with Rosa, um, 
Allison Kay, even Molina, Marty Bell, uh, Ashley Fox, Ashley Marty Fox. Bell. Yeah, we, we can name more people on the NWA women's roster than on the ROH women's roster. That's kind of sad when you put it that way, but yeah, you're right. <laughs> um, and that's going to be funnier when you listen to the later part of the show, actually. Um, so post-match, Thunder Rosa attacked. Uh, Ashley Vox tried to make the save. Thunder Rosa cut her off, hit her with a shoulder breaker, and put her in some kind of arm submission and injured her, which will play into the show later on. Got an Aaron Stevens and uh, Ricky Starks video package, which led to Aaron Stevens arriving wearing a karate gi. Uh, he was with the question mark. They did the official Mongrovian flag ceremony, including... Noted um, and accomplished acapella artist, the question mark, singing the Mongrovian National Anthem. And the the gentleman has a beautiful bass voice, Jeremy. He does. Uh, I cannot... I cannot do the Mongrovian National Anthem justice, because it was just so... It was so well done, and only the question mark can do it. But it was a. It, I like this little segment here. Uh, Aaron Stevens is, is fine in this role, and the the question mark is over with this audience. It's like the most over guy in the company. It's insane. <laughs> it does feel like that. Yes. So. Uh, yeah, and uh, the reason that Stevens was wearing the gi, as commentary mentioned, he is now apparently a third-degree Mongrovian black belt under his sensei, the question mark. Yeah, he got his black belt in like three weeks. I know. The question mark must be an awesome sensei is all I have to yeah, say. Clearly. So our next match was the question mark defeating Trevor Murdoch in six minutes via pin. Uh, again, I thought this was another solid, uh, fun little match. Uh, the question mark is, again, he, I don't know if it's irony or what it is. He's over. The crowd loves the guy. Um, Trevor Murdoch made the mistake of going after the Mongrovian flag during the match. And uh, he ate the Mongrovian spike for the uh, the pinfall for his trouble. So that was a, a definite mistake for Mr. Trevor Murdoch here. Yeah, he, he got... I think he got hit with a Mongrovian spike early in the match and Murdoch kicked out. So I didn't like that, that it kind of took two to put Murdoch away. I think he should have just only beat him with one. Um, but otherwise, it, it was a, a fine little match. The the right guy won. And uh, yeah, the question mark is over, brother. Yeah. And again, I'm not sure what you're going to do with the question mark exactly moving forward. But I mean, hey. The guy's over. He's winning matches. And he's not like winning matches against like Nick Aldis yet or anything, but like it's at least fun. You know what I mean? And like some people are going to bitch about, oh, it's a fat guy in a mask or some bullshit. But I mean, it's at least fun. And how many times do we talk about companies that don't play to their audience when somebody's over? So at least they're playing into the audience. And, you know, it's this was an inoffensive, fun little match. It went six minutes. I have no problem with it. Yeah, I, I didn't have an issue with it either. And the question mark is, I mean, they, they should put the title on him. He should be beating Nick Aldis. Well, that's going to be problematic because <laughs> there's some other people we're going to talk about later on. Next up was our NWA Tag Team Championship match. The Rock and Roll Express with Homicide and Eddie Kingston in their corner versus the Wild Cards with the Dawsons in their corner. Uh, these gentlemen were all at ringside so that they could brawl late at the match and uh, kind of lead to a distraction later on. The Rock and Roll Express actually retained the championships at fifteen or five fifteen via pin. Jeremy, your thoughts? Surprising that the Rock and Roll Express uh, won because it seemed like they were just going to kind of be feel good moment, give them a title win, then get the titles back on 
the wild cards as, as soon as possible. And this would have obviously been the, the time to do it. But NWA does have two two nights of TV tapings in the next two nights. So maybe uh, the the um, Rock and Roll Express will, will lose the titles on one of these nights at on the TV tapings. Who knows? I mean, I'm fine with the Rock and Roll Express being the champions. They're they're over with that audience. And the the tag team division in the NWA is not like great. Like the Dawsons are not super established. I like Homicide and Kingston. I do think they should certainly uh, be the champions. And maybe they, they will end up winning at the, the power tapings. The match itself was it was I mean, it was like five minutes long. It's tough to do a ton at five minutes, but the crowd does like rock and roll express and they can do different stuff. I love that. The fact that it took four matches into this card to get anything resembling a high spot, which was Ricky <sighs> Morton doing a suicide dive and a fucking destroyer. Yeah. I mean, Ricky Morton <laughs> just it. does, does the destroyer now. It's like his fucking move. Um, I didn't like, they missed the double drop kick. That was not great by production that they, yeah. they, pretty much missed that spot like you gotta you definitely gotta hit that uh hit that mark yeah i i think they're afraid to shoot it dead on because robert gibson is like hitting guys knees these days is part of the problem but i do agree with you you, you kind of gotta shoot it even though it doesn't look that great because it's the rock and roll express double drop kick i mean they they missed like they they showed the 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 feet kind of hitting so like if they're worried about that Robert Morton isn't getting up too well, like they showed the worst part that they could possibly show, honestly. Yeah, uh, odd production choice for sure. Uh, so after this match, they announced that the NWA is returning to pay-per-view on January 24th already. So before we get into the next part, Jeremy, are they coming back to pay-per-view too soon or what are you feeling about this? It feels like it. I mean, January 24th is like five weeks away, six weeks away. Um, I mean, they, they, they've got television, but I wonder how much of that is, um, I, I mean, spoiler alert, Marty Skrull shows up at the end and they, they're going to do that match. I assume with all this on the pay-per-view and I, I like, we don't know the status of, of Marty's contract. So I'm wondering how much of it is they want, want to get that pay-per-view match out there immediately and because they're they might not have marty for too long they they've got to almost rush this pay-per-view yeah that's a very sound theory that's a uh that's a friday night pay-per-view by the way interesting yeah i think that they went friday night because uh that's a royal rumble weekend with uh, when worlds collide and yeah, there's also, I mean, they went up against a UFC show tonight, but there, there's also a, a UFC show on, on Saturday night as well. So uh, that's a pretty loaded weekend with, with Worlds Collide and um, yeah, Royal Rumble on Sunday. So Friday night, I guess, makes sense from that standpoint. Again, I like that's my theory is that I don't know how long Marty's sticking around. They clearly want to do that match as quick as possible. And... You've got to do like if he's not staying around for long, you, you got to do it almost immediately. Yeah. Um. So if that's the case, it does make sense. It's going to be interesting to see what Marty's status is going forward, 
you know, is this, is he just making a stop off before he goes somewhere else? Is he just planning on working the big indie platter with maybe some Japan mixed in, you know? So I guess we'll find out soon. Um, but obviously- we'll talk more about it at the very end. Yeah. So. Speculate on the future of Marty's girl. And they also announced that the, un- the NWA TV title is returning and it's returning in all of its silver and red glory. Which I love. It's one of my favorite belts of all time. It looks really nice. I like this title. Um, so yeah, and I'm a fan of the TV title. I do worry that like now they've got like two mid card titles, um, and like their their talent roster isn't like, that deep to really support two mid card titles. Yeah. But then again, too, I mean, they are taping after this pay-per-view. We may have a bunch of new people coming in. I mean, I I share the same concerns. It feels like a little much right now, but hopefully that, you know, hopefully there are plans here. Hopefully they have guys that are coming in and we're going to start fattening up this roster a little bit. Hopefully with quality people and not just randos. Yeah, yeah, that that's true. They do have the 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 tapings. I assume some people will debut. Um, you know, who knows what their their status is going to be when they when they do debut because I don't know how NWA contracts work. But regardless, um yeah, two mid-card titles, especially, like you only have an hour show as well. It, it's it seems like a lot to I guess they could do more than an hour like they're on youtube i don't know they feel like they can just kind of get away with what they want depending on how much they want to do but another mid card title uh, it's gonna be it's gonna kind of crowded and we'll see how they handle it yeah uh next up we had an eli drig promo we talked about tonight's main event said it didn't matter who wins because he wants a title shot he's the hottest thing going today the man that shines in this company ken anderson arrived and um Beat his ass, wrapped the chair around his neck, posted him, fought off officials, and then hit a mic check onto the chair to stand tall. So it looks like this feud will continue. Yeah, don't need to uh, don't don't need to continue this feud. But it was a it was a fine post match angle. Yeah, I thought the angle came angle. off. Yeah, the angle came off well, but I'm not excited about another match. Um, I mean, maybe it's part of the TV title tournament or something. We'll see. But, yeah, I wasn't exactly thrilled about that. Yeah. So, uh, Next up, tag team action. Uh, Melina and Marty Bell were going to face Allison Kay um, because Ashley Vox was taken out. But it was revealed that ODB was going to be her partner. ODB uh, playing Lex Luger tonight after appearing on Impact. A goat, ODB. I love ODB. Then, so I was uh, happy to see her in this match show up. Unfortunately, the match sucked. Yeah, ODB and Allison K uh, won at seven fifteen via pin. It was really rough, uh, sloppy exchanges, really disjointing, just basically sloppy all throughout. And the first thing I felt on the show that was like a big miss that I didn't enjoy. Yeah, just about everything in this match was was rough looking. Molina was rough looking. Marty Bell, ODB, Allison K. Like none of them looked. Uh, none of them came out of this match looking looking good. The ODB, the the Bam, like that looked bad at the end. Just just not a lot of good in this match, unfortunately. Yeah, and and that's a shame. Uh, I think I think we can easily say worst thing on the show. Uh, yeah. Okay. 
We've got a Nick Aldis James Storm video package to set up the main event. And then we moved on to the co-main event, which was for the NWA National Championship, Jeremy. Aaron Stevens defeated Colt Cabana and Ricky Starks 12 and a half minutes via pin. First thing we should talk about is uh, it was revealed today, Colt Cabana officially done with Ring of Honor. Yeah, uh, so I guess he's going to be sticking around NWA for a while. I mean, we, we talked about it a little bit last night after the the Cabana and Alex Shelley match, um, which people can hear later. Um that cabana is certainly a guy like that has options like he's done new japan i don't know if he'll ever go back to wwe but like he would be great in nxt if he wanted to do that you know he's got the nwa thing i guess he's done with roh now aew he's got a lot of ties there like whatever cabana wants to do he can certainly do because he's a guy that can get over anywhere with any style and i mean people like his mind for the business is is <laughs> second to none when it comes like, you know, many podcasts would not exist without Cole Cabana documentary style series, like the on the road stuff that he was doing with uh, Daniel Bryan and stuff when Bryan was getting signed by WWE and, and the merchandising stuff that he's done. Like Cabana is like, he he's a visionary in this sport. And he, he was a big trendsetter for a lot of guys. And there's a, there's a lot of guys that'll tell you, like guys like Kevin Steen, Kevin Owens, you know, who will tell you that they were thinking about quitting the business until they talked with Cole Cabana and got into merchandising and stuff. And not just the merchandising aspect, but you look at PWTs that came out of Colt and the fact that, you know, you can invent a catchphrase on a Friday night and then you're fucking selling a shirt on Saturday. Yeah. Because of that. So it's like a lot of guys were able to monetize beyond the basic eight by tens and small things uh, with, you know, pro wrestling tees and stuff like that. And that goes back to Colt. And as you mentioned, the podcast stuff and the young bucks have put them over countless times for being like the guy that led them to get into all the merchandising that they've done over the years and that they made a lot of money off of. And uh, again, and we talk, we do talk about this a little bit later, but don't cry for Colt Cabana. He got out of ROH. Probably a smart move. He probably saw the writing on the wall. I'll definitely miss him because I thought he was really good on commentary. But the fact is, the dude is going to have his choice of places to work. He always does a, a, like a month in August working in Edinburgh. Um, he he does other UK dates. He's had New Japan work. He's probably going to... I'd imagine he ends up working a lot of New Japan USA for these shows um, due to just coming off the tag league. AEW, definitely always a chance. I mean, who knows? Impact's under new management. I mean, I'm pretty much sure that he can go wherever he wants if there's an offer there. You know what I mean? Oh, de- definitely. Like, I'm I'm happy that Colcabana got out of ROH. Uh, that place is... It, it is what it is right now, and it's it's not good. Um, yeah, and Cabana, he's, he's a guy that can literally go anywhere get himself over anywhere and he he will have plenty of offers new japan new japan usa is a a good call i did they're very under the radar because we don't know much about them but that is certainly a place that could use a guy like colt cabana yeah i definitely think that'll he'll probably work a good bit of dates there so um wouldn't be surprised so aaron stevens won the title jeremy what did you think of the title change and the match overall uh, I wanted Ricky Starks to win, so I didn't. I'm 
the title changes, whatever. I, as I said earlier, like I do think Aaron Stevens is, is doing very well in this gimmick. Um, the match was good because it was limited to mainly Cabana and Starks as Stevens just kind of hid behind a Christmas tree the entire time. So, well, the best part is, is like we talked about that is like, it was really good because it plays into his gimmick really well. He was hiding behind a Christmas tree. And then the best part about it is, and, and wrestlers notice, one of the big criticisms from reviewers in a triple threat match is, is the term taking a nap on the floor. And there was a part where he was like under a fucking curtain pretending to nap. I died. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he he played exactly how you would kind of want him to play. And it showed just also how good uh, Starks is because we haven't seen Starks like shine in longer matches like this. And he went out there with Cabana and it shows how good Cabana is as well. And they, they had a, a strong little one-on-one match for the majority of the time. Um, so overall, like it, it was, it was good because they, they played every to everybody's strengths very well. And then they did the, uh, the steal the championship win, which is your favorite finish. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, the finish came, uh, Colt hit the Superman pin on, uh, Ricky Starks, but the question mark jacked him with the fucking Mongrovian spike, allowing Stevens to steal the title. So, at least that came off well, and obviously the question mark, everybody... The best part is he fucks Cold out of the title, and everybody still loves the question mark. Yeah, yeah, the the ending where they're both posing on the turnbuckle and, and booing Stevens and uh, cheering for question mark. Dude's over, I'm telling you. Put him over all this. And I guess, you know, we joked about what do you do with the question mark next. I, I think you could eventually do the turn on Aaron Stevens. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it'd be over. I thought the match was really good. I was entertained. I thought everybody played their roles very well. And to back up what you th- you said, I think uh, Ricky Starks are really shined here as a future star for the company. Like him a lot. Definitely. And they need more guys like Ricky Starks because, I mean, no offense, a lot of their roster is kind of retread stuff. And, I mean, the guys are doing well in their, in their roles, but you got to get some guys if you're going to play a long-term game here i agree uh next up we had an interview with the wholesome Tim- timothy storm who is going to be one of the reps in the main event he said that he shares the love and excitement that people have it's an honor and privilege to be involved in this pay-per-view he's never done this referee thing before but he's going to do it to the best of his abilities he put over the competitors in the main event and said the bottom line is he's here to represent the nwa what a wholesome gentleman I like Tim Storm. It's a good promo. He's he is. He's so good. And the best part is is this was so genuinely wholesome babyface. Everybody was waiting for that heel turn. Yeah. Yeah. I, I saw, um, I saw I like it that. on Twitter. Everybody's like, oh Tim Storm's gonna fuck out us. Well, we don't know what they did after the show. Well, that's their own private business, Jeremy. I, I don't <laughs> I don't question what Tim Storm does. So we went on to the main event, which was a two out of three falls match for the NWA world title. Champion Nick Aldis defending against James Storm. Brian Hefner refereeing fall one. Tim Storm refereeing fall two. And if we went to fall three, it was going to be determined by a coin flip to see which of the two refs will take it over. This was also a revenge match as Nick Aldis was looking for revenge when James Storm tried to kill Mickey James by throwing her in front of a train in TNA. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, everybody forgets about that. 
Uh, they, I, everybody forgets a lot about what TNA did. Yeah, they did the uh, quick Arena Mexico fall one in two minutes and twenty seconds when Camille arrived, who was allegedly having the night off, and Aldis told her to go away. That led to a James Storm super kick, and he went up one uh, zero early on. Super kick wins a match. That's right. He must have been talking to Shawn Michaels. Yeah, very excited to see the return of the super kick as a finisher. That's right. Uh, that led to fall two. Uh, they brawled on the floor for a while. James Storm got whipped into the Christmas tree. Stu Bennett, who was really fun on commentary all night, said, he was said good. The Mongrovian spruce was ruined. <laughs> Stu Bennett was, was good. Um, I probably mentioned him in our in our wrap up, but he did a really good job on the show. Yeah, really enjoyable. Uh, so they had a had a good fall too. Some brawling and stuff. James Storm te- uh, teased using a chair. Uh, Tim Storm took it. They teased some near falls, and then Nick Aldis scored the win with the small package to even things up at just over eleven minutes. Uh, so this, yeah, good. Sorry, good yeah. fall too. Oh, a good fall too. The the small package, a little rough looking crowd. Even was like, oh, what just kind of happened there? Um, but it played into uh, Tim or not Tim Storm. Nick Aldis has has used that the small package before to to sneak out little victories. So uh, overall, it worked. Yeah, used it on Tim Storm and Cody. Yeah. So uh, they brawled. They did the coin flip, and Brian Hepner, who is James Storm's uh, personally picked official, was selected to officiate the final fall. Uh, so they, uh, they they picked up the pace here in the third fall, had some uh, really good near falls. They, they did the classic figure four spot because it's an NWA t- title match. Um, we had a ref bump down the stretch, which led to Tim Storm having to take over. And, of course, everybody, again, I think waiting for Tim Storm to kind of fuck over Aldis. And, uh, but Tim Storm is a lovely gentleman, and he would not do that. So Tim Storm has morals. That's right. Uh, Storm hit a super kick. I sent Aldis to the corner. He went to attack him with a backstabber, and that led to Aldis exposing the turnbuckle as he was ripped out of the corner. Storm got sent into the buckle, knocked out, and the Cloverleaf finished it. So Nick Aldis ended up retaining the championship 21-50 via pin, two falls to one. I thought overall um, it was nothing blow away. I thought it was a really good match. I thought they told a good story. They were really teasing that Aldis was going to get screwed. They didn't completely overbook it. The Camille thing was early. The one ref bump. Probably could have done without, but again, you're you're doing that to bring Tim Storm and then the tease to screw job. And so I think that that played well. Uh, and the thing with the finish is James Storm didn't quit. The referee stopped the match. He can claim conspiracy again because the buckle was exposed and that he only lost when Aldis's man called it off. So you can easily book a rematch coming out of this that makes sense. Yeah, I, I agree. Um I was very worried that the match was going to go really long, especially when they got in the ring at like just before eight. Because I, I didn't, I mean, we didn't know how long this pay per view was going to be. Uh, we just knew that it, it started early, which was great. But yeah, I, so when they got in the ring, I was like, oh my God, they're about to go an hour. I, I feared when, that a little too. <laughs> and then the first fall happened and the second fall happened. And I'm just like, Oh my God, this last fall is about to be like 40 minutes or something. So I'm glad that like, it was a, a timely, like two out of three falls match. It certainly didn't, you know, they could have gone longer. Uh, I'm glad they didn't cause I don't think it needed it, but, um, overall good match. I, I like the finish because as you said, 
all this, there there was, it looked like fear that he could kind of get screwed over a little bit, and um, he didn't, but James Storm can claim he got screwed over because of the exposed turnbuckle. They're kind of bait, they're kind of, uh, Shades of graying all this right now, which I'm not like I, I I'm not too down on. It's a it's a weird thing because I think for your world champion, you almost want him to have a defined like heel babyface tendency, and there there's none of that with all this right now. There's you know he comes across a little bit as a baby face when he's like, uh, you know, he's cutting the promos of like, we're doing this for the crowd and blah, 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 blah. Uh, but then he also, the stuff like this, he comes off as a heel stuff like, uh, the Camille stuff, not letting her talk. It comes off a little bit heelish. Um, so that that's, I don't know if it's a complaint. It's just a, an observation of what they're doing with all this. And, maybe it's working for some people. It's, it's just comes across a little odd to me. Yeah, it's um it's kind of middle ground for me. I I like that he kind of comes off as a disingenuous babyface almost cuz as you said, a lot of his promo stuff he's totally babyface and everything up. But then you have that underlying Camille story and then you have like the finish of this match. So, um yeah, I I would like a little more definition. I don't think it's a huge detriment, but again, I I I kind of like things a little more clearly defined. But the thing is, I think we can agree he is really good at it though. Yeah, he plays it well. Um, like I, I think he's great in this role, and I think that's why they do stick with him as the champion because he does carry himself so well, and he can kind of fill multiple roles, and like he looks like a champion. Uh, it's just a, a thing of yeah. I don't know if it's a turn off for the rest of the audience, especially like the NWA for the most part. I mean, you're, you're more familiar with it than I am, but they had very defined, you know, heels and baby faces. And so the fact that all this isn't is just that that's why it comes off odd to me. Yeah. And I, I agree with that. So, uh, so Aldis retains the title. He gets a uh, post-match promo talks about that, um, normally he would say that this is his ring, but it's the NWA's ring, but this is his championship, and that's how he tells the world who he is. And after tonight, no man alive can take this championship from him, Jeremy. And then the lights went out. And it was not Sean Spears appearing. Thank fucking God. <laughs> Marty Skrull arrived. Yeah. Nick Aldis's old buddy. And uh, yes, Marty is now in the NWA. We don't know how for how long, but Marty is here. He had a face-off with Aldis. Aldis uh, powdered, and then my feed froze and never came back. Yeah, it. Aldis <laughs> went away, and so they, the they went dark. <laughs> yeah, they went dark, but then it came back, uh, and Skrull was going to cut a promo with Galley, and it, it froze as Skrull was about to talk, and then... but. Then it came back as Skrull was done and getting into the ring. So either this was like a fantastic little mishap where NWA can be like, oh, see what Marty Skrull has to say on Tuesday's episode of Power or whatever. You know, they can put this on YouTube, however, wherever they want to air this because they I would assume they had the footage somehow. Um, or this was a terrible mishap and everyone just missed this Marty Skrull promo. But I, I would assume that this gets released somehow and, and probably benefits the NWA with how they can boost it um, and, and their YouTube uh, views as well. 
Yeah, and um, obviously, um, the the Marty thing is uh, potentially really big. Yeah, so when you know all this was like, no one can beat me. All right, it was pretty obvious someone was coming out because you don't do that. And then when the lights went down, it was a dead giveaway that someone was coming out. Um, the weird thing was like Marty's music hits, and like everyone knows it's Marty, but Bennett and Galley are like, what what's going on? Who who's coming out? Like y'all. Maybe they don't watch other shows. I don't know. Um, but yeah, Marty's there, which is great because Marty is awesome. Got a big reaction. He was used better in five seconds by the NWA than he's been used all year by ROH. Um, and when when we've di- we've discussed Marty a lot uh, this year because of everything that's gone on in ROH. And one of the things uh, one of us mentioned was that the NWA was a possibility because we like, we don't know Marty Skrull's mindset. He can go to AEW. I can be with his elite friends, but he's always going to be put in a certain position because it is over as he is. Like he's not the bucks. He's not Cody. He's not Kenny. He's not Jericho. He's, he's not those guys. Um, he could stay in ROH and be kind of a bigger fish in a smaller pond. And we, we brought up NWA because he can again, be a, like a huge fish in a small pond there. I mean, Marty is, he's there. He was one of the most over guys on the show, maybe the most over guy besides question mark and moving forward, he would continue to be one of the most over guys. So if he wants to, you know, be a world champion and, and just have the spotlight on him and still be given a lot of the freedoms that he would have elsewhere, like the NWA is a place that makes sense for him. I don't know if this is his forever home. My guess is it's not. Um, NWA can still do independent bookings and, and stuff like that. You can still take independent bookings through them. So it's very possible that, as, as I mentioned earlier, he's there till January. They do the 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 match with Aldis in January, and then we kind of go on from there. But it's a it was definitely a surprise because the, all the talk was ROH, NW, or ROH and AEW, and here he is on this NWA show. Yeah, obviously, you know, people were talking, you know, there was a chance because ROH was trying to throw more money at him. Um, there was always the AEW thing for the obvious reasons you mentioned. And there was WWE interest, and of course, I mean, Marty would have personal reasons to go to NXT because of Deanna being there. Uh, um, they're not together anymore. Oh, they're not now? Oh, fuck, I missed that. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I think that's that's why uh, NXT almost got... I think that's why talks kind of deaded with NXT. Oh, okay. Like you didn't, you didn't hear much from them after a little while. Cause I don't I'm pay pretty attention sure to the gossip. You're supposed to keep me updated on this. Oh, well, that's why I just corrected you right there. Yeah, but I should have known beforehand. Come on, man. You're supposed to be I, sharing. I this. actually didn't know until a few weeks ago, but I don't <laughs> all right. Well, still, I mean, you know, so, I mean, but there was WWE interest to put that out there, but I mean, so this could be interesting. I mean, this could be Marty just making some, uh, I guess, for lack of a better term, some per-date money before he locks into his next move and helping out his friend because him and Nick Aldis are really good friends in real life. Um, he could have signed a short-term deal to make him exclusive to TV, which would be really big for the NWA because even if it's six months, if you lock Marty in, I mean, you're locking Marty in, which is really good for them, and you could possibly do a title run and a couple pay-per-views out of them and make some money hopefully no what are you talking about you can't put the title on this guy he's gonna leave exactly 
Uh, and then, of course, I mean, in theory, and I don't know how, how viable this is, he may get, I mean, maybe he decided that this is what he wants to do for a little bit more than six months. And maybe he signed a year deal or something like, and he's on one of the alleged bigger money deals like a Nick Aldis, Eli Drake, and James Storm. Um, there's a lot of possibilities, actually. And again, Marty's a guy like Colt Cabana that has, he has a lot of irons in the fire that he could do a lot of things because Marty could definitely go to AEW with his friends. I'm sure he could go to NXT. He could have stayed with uh, Ring of Honor. He has this now. Uh, I'm sure he could definitely work a lot of New Japan and New Japan USA if he wanted. So, I mean, there's a lot of options for Marty Skrull. And, I mean, it's good to be Marty right now. This is a hot time for people to make money and sign good deals, you know? Yeah, um, th- there's plenty of companies out there. There's plenty of companies throwing around money. I-, I don't know if some of these companies do have like buyer's remorse on stuff, but Skrull has proven that if you utilize him correctly, he can draw money for you. Um, one company just didn't understand that, and so they they weren't drawing any money. I, the NWA seems much smarter than that. Obviously, AEW is much smarter than that. I, I don't really want him to stay in ROH just because it's I, I don't see an upside for him there, especially after this last year. Um, but for Marty, hey, it's a it's a good deal. However, he got it. Uh, he I'm sure he knows what he's doing. And I'm sure he's going to get the the most out of this that he can. I agree. So, uh, overall thoughts on the show, Jeremy. What are you thinking? What did did you think it was good, average, bad? What are you thinking? I I like this. I like the show. One, I like that it was two and a half hours, and it was over by eight thirty. I can appreciate that. Um, two, like there there was no blow away matches i think all this and storm was the the best match cabana uh the the triple threat match was very good as well but like i wouldn't say either of those matches like they they weren't even on the level of of the the stuff we saw in the roh pay-per-view with um not the main event uh the two tag team matches and, and dragon lee and and shane taylor like none of these matches were on the level of those three matches but they were they were still good matches and I think like this is the the difference is, and I, I guess the the ROH portion will be airing after this, but in chronological order, uh, the ROH pay per view was first. And spoiler alert, we're going to talk about how the ROH pay per view ended with a complete dud and just a moment that just left a sour taste in your mouth. This pay per view ended with a, a good match. And a moment that got you excited because Skrull showed up and confronted all this and it felt like a big deal. So even though this pay-per-view didn't have the the match quality that ROH may have had, like when the pay-per-view ended, I didn't feel like I like wasted my time and felt like, oh my God, like that's how they closed this big show. Like this felt like a, a very strong uh, show overall because the closer was so good. Yeah, I thought that this was a, a strong pay-per-view from the company, and I thought that they really kind of stayed true to the formula that they've laid out with power. Um, they delivered strong to very good wrestling throughout the show. We only had the one bad match, um, and that's that's okay. You're occasionally going to have that. Um, I think they're doing a good job continuing to build Thunder Rosa because I think they're going to build her up to face Allison Kay. 
Um, you know, James Storm has a claim to a rematch. You're still trying to build uh, Eli Drake up. Marty Skrull's now here. And again, we don't know for how long, but I mean, I do like them revisiting the feud without us a lot. Uh, I thought it was fun. It was enjoyable. Like you said, it had it had a good ending. And I just thought that it was a consistently strong show. They were trying to tell stories. And the other thing, too, is you have to judge the product on what the product is. I mean, WWE claims to be the best wrestling company in the world. They put on something bad, like, it's bad. You know, New Japan sets a really high bar. So if they end up disappointing in the things that they traditionally deliver in, then it's not as good a show as it should be. ROH used to be a beacon for great matches and storytelling, and it's none of that now. You know, the NWA is a little more minimalist. They, they're they relying on good basic wrestling, good basic stories. And I thought that largely carried throughout the evening. And so I thought it was a good show that I enjoyed. And again, I, I love the two and a half hour runtime. Because not every fucking show, and we say this a lot, and it goes for every company, we don't always need four and five hour shows. You don't no. have to do it. No, definitely... Definitely not. And, you know, they got two. So back to the scroll thing right quickly. They've got two tapings of power on Sunday and Monday. Skrull is booked and advertised for Final Battle Fallout on Sunday. So it'll be interesting to, to see how that whole ordeal is handled. I mean, it's Philadelphia to Atlanta. Not a not a long flight at all. I don't know if Corgan's got a private jet, right? He's got the Smashing Pumpkins private jet. Maybe he can make that happen. Uh, but it's it'll be we'll we'll see what happens with the the night one of the power tapings because Skrull is advertised for uh, Final Battle Fallout. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what it is, and I'm interested to see if we get any kind of details on um, his deal and overall status. Is it short term? Is it longer term? What do we know? And um. But yeah, definitely an interesting time for a couple guys coming out of ROH and Cool Cabana and Marty Skrull. Um, again, two guys that are going to have a a big uh, platter of choices. You know, they're going to be able to do pretty much whatever they want. And uh, again, as we're heading into 2020, Jeremy, the wrestling is continuing to be a really fascinating and fun place. Yeah, a lot of a lot of good stuff. Um, and I mean, it's it's. It's busy for us. I wish that it was bigger overall because as we've seen with the kind of the NXT and AEW ratings, like things are kind of just at a stagnant point and falling and falling everywhere. But overall, there's there's certainly not a lack of, of quantity or quality. Exactly. So it's definitely a fun time. Uh, so that's going to wrap up our NWA Into the Fire uh, pay-per-view coverage. Thank you, guys. And in our next segment, we are going to talk about WWE TLC 2019. All right, we are back, and it's time to talk WWE TLC 2019, Jeremy. Again, we're a little out of order tonight, but we have finally finished up our weekend. It has been a, a long weekend, mostly mediocre let's be honest i i don't want to say it's been like a great weekend there's been a lot of shows and it's been a lot of uh mediocre stuff 
I'm glad you survived the uh, UFC show that went to like uh, 8 a.m. this morning. So shit, that was the best part of the weekend, though. That Colby Covington Kamara Usman fight fucking ruled, and it's great seeing Colby Covington's MAGA ass get his jaw broken and shit. So well, I know that it was a great show. I heard that, but I mean, it's just that you know, you had it was like 18 hours long. So. Yeah, but I'll take I'll take a eighteen hour long show as long as the the final stuff delivers. And I mean that final fight was awesome. It's better than uh, the, the TLC show and the final final match on this one. Yeah, or the ROH show and the final match on that one. Yeah, so let's uh, let's get into uh, TLC two thousand nineteen. Start it off on the pre show with. Humberto Carrillo defeating Andrade once again, 12.30 via pin, Jeremy. I thought this was a very good uh, pre-show match, actually, because they got some time. Uh, they work really well together and um, thought they delivered. And they also continued uh, teasing the split between Zelina and Andrade, which I hope they don't do because they're so good together. It would be stupid to split these two, which means they're probably going to end up doing it. The match was good. My issue is... It almost felt no win for WWE because everyone loves Andrade and they see a lot of potential in him. And I mean, I feel like he's been on the main roster forever and they've done like nothing with him. And so either Umberto was going to win and people are going to be like, all right, Andrade is just still around kind of doing nothing. Or Andrade was going to win and people are going to be like, well, you 50-50 booked that. So uh, yeah, they were kind of in a no win position with that. And Umberto... Like, good look, good wrestler. Who the fuck is this guy? What is, you know, where did he come from? What is his story? I don't know anything about him other than he just showed up and, like, he has some good matches and he has a good look. But I I don't know anything about this guy. Yeah, and that's a shame because they actually did on 205 Live, which they should have aired on Raw when he debuted, some really good like background personality profile videos on him, like a two- or three-part thing. Uh, they were really good, and I wish they would show those on Raw because, like you said, yeah, I don't think a lot of people get exactly who he is and why they should care at this point. Hey, if they did those... Uh, videos great but again like you've got to air that to your largest audience it's the same thing we complain about when it comes to AEW if you're it's cool that you're going to put this stuff on dark and being the elite and online that's not where your largest audience is 205 is is not a large audience I don't think anybody watches the show but you um so you've got like you've got to put this stuff on raw so more people care about this stuff I agree completely, yeah, and that's what I'm saying. I mean, they already have them in the can. I mean, you could edit them if he's talking about the Cruiserweight title or whatever, just hit all the the background stuff so people know who the hell the guy is. Yeah. So that's uh, kind of disappointing, especially, like I said, because they have them. I mean, just run the damn videos. You have, like, the greatest video editing production department in the world. So, um, so we move on to the pay-per-view opener. Ladder match for the SmackDown Tag Team titles. It was made a ladder match for reasons. No real explanation. Three days build on the ladder match. Champions The New Day ended up defeating The Revival. 1910 via... 1910, not via pin. Um, your thoughts, sir? Really good match. Um, they... You know, it's, it's tough to have a ladder match in 2019 because we've seen a lot of everything and this was the the same case here we've seen a lot of these spots but 
they they hit them fairly well. Um, there there were some some scary spots where it's like, oh, but they they do a good job like gimmicking the ladder and protecting themselves uh, nowadays. Um, but overall, a, a good match that didn't go too long. Crowd was into it. Uh, I'm not not surprised that New Day won. I kind of figured they would because they they like having the titles on New Day. And I don't think they know what they're doing with the revival, anyway. So overall, I, I enjoyed this match. Not the best ladder match ever, but still, still a good ladder match. Yeah, I thought it was very good. I thought it was a strong way to open the pay per view. <clears throat> Uh, as you kind of mentioned, they didn't get too crazy, but I thought they kept a nice pace. They kept the action flowing really well. They didn't uh, lumber it down by building 800 contraptions. Uh, I was a little surprised with no title change, but you make a good point on why they're keeping it on New Day. And uh, while not a high-level crazy ladder match, I thought that they delivered in the spot given to them, so no complaints from me. Pay-per-view off to a good start, Jeremy. Yes. We then went to, so, and I include the pre-show match in that too, because I really enjoyed that. Uh, I got a quick count. Did you see, did you see Lana and Charlie on the pre-show? That was the best fucking thing on this whole show. (laughs) Uh, I ignore all the talking on the pre-show. It generally angers me. How dare you? Lana and Charlie's going to be the feud of 2020. Just wait. You mean not Renee Young? Not Renee. I did, I did see that part. I'm not going to lie. And and the revival cutting promos on uh, Harlem Heat, which I don't know if they're going to deliver on that match. I think I don't know how good it would be in 2020, but uh, I'm I'm fine with the revival are just basically trying to shoot their own angle here to get get something on TV. Problem is, if they try to shoot their own angle with this, they're just going to get embarrassed by Harlem Heat. It's like if they actually did that match. I would have a little bit of faith in Booker still, even even like this late after he's not been wrestling a lot, but like. No offense, Stevie Ray was, like, never good. So, yeah. Stevie Ray gonna come in there and shoot on everybody. Hit him with the slapjack. Don't doubt the man, Stevie Ray. So, Kayla interviewed King Corbin. He said he was not worried about his match tonight because he has reigns exactly where he wants them, and he'll he'll beat the big dog, and he'll become his master. So, uh, that led to Aleister Black versus Buddy Murphy. Aleister Black won 1345 via pin. I love this. Thought it was great. I told you in the preview, give them 12 to 15 minutes and they'll deliver. And they did. Uh, I thought both guys were really great here. They delivered a really good hard hitting style that nobody else on the show was going to work, which really made it uh, stick out to me. Uh, Greatly enjoyed this. Thought it was the best match on the show. Yeah, great match. The crowd didn't quite know how to you know react to it early i don't think and because alistair black has cut the same promo for like three months now and buddy murphy like he was hot with the the brian stuff and then he just kind of fell off and then he beat a bunch of guys on on raw but no one really seemed to care about the guys that he beat but by the end of it they they worked the crowd into a frenzy Uh, i think the blood helped um, it was clearly wasn't planned. Alistair Black uh, fucking up his nose, but it, it helped the match, gave it an extra sense of urgency. And so every time there was a face strike, which there was plenty of them, it it seemed a little bit more more deadly because of that. And overall, just great stuff from these two. Yeah, you have to love that we got accidental juice in the Andrade match and this one, but not in like, like any of the latter matches. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we got a quick. Um 
interview with uh, Rusev uh, talked about how Lashley can have Lana and he'll pr- he'll prove he's back tonight. Spoiler, he didn't. <laughs> we got highlights of the AOP beating down Owens on Raw and the reveal of Darth Rollins as the new Overlord. Then we had random, uh, I guess, contest-winning fans eating KFC directly at ringside. Yeah, you knew that shit was going to come into play. Viking Raiders issued their open challenge. The Good Brothers accepted, as we predicted. The Viking Raiders won at 8... Or, they didn't win. They went to a double countout, excuse me, at 840. What was the point of, um, like, an open challenge? I the, the, the OC beat them in Saudi. Like, they had a claim to a title shot. I just don't understand why you've got to do an open challenge here. Like just book the match, say they have a claim because they beat him in Saudi and go from there. Well, sadly, Jeremy, WWE didn't put that much thought into the process. And that is the fact of the matter is that they did have a legit claim to a tag title match. And the good brothers even mentioned that they handed them their first loss. It's right there. They could have set it up on raw booked the match actually built to it, but they didn't. Um, the match was okay while it lasted. The finish was completely flat. The feud will continue. But in all honesty, this was just an infomercial for KFC d- disguised as a tag team title match. Uh, yeah, pretty much. And they, they brawled post-match and Carl Anderson got put through the KFC table and probably enjoyed some delicious mashed potatoes and gravy. I mean, KFC's good. I, uh, Jerry... Jerry Lawler definitely wanted some, so... Jerry Lawler was more excited for the KFC than he was the fucking match. Yeah, I'd, I mean, I'd say I can't blame him, but there, was, there wasn't there was much reason to care about this match, honestly. I, I, and I like both guys. I mean, the Viking Raiders were actually over because they were in Minnesota, so they were doing the Skull chant. Um, and that's probably, like, the most over the Viking Raiders will ever be. Yeah, so uh, it kind of existed, and that... That started the downturn of this show. This is when we started going off the cliff. I was really enjoying this show until the tag match. I will say yeah, that. it was it was a good show up until that point, and then they did the bullshit finish in the tag match and thing, and then the crowd just didn't care about anything afterwards. So maybe don't do these bullshit finishes. So Miz was interviewed, said Monroe is fine and safe. He moved his family to an undisclosed location for safety. Uh, This is the most important and personal match of his life. He's fighting to protect his family and will do anything to do that as he faces Bray Wyatt later on this evening. TLC match, Jeremy. King Corbin and Roman Reigns. King Corbin defeated Roman Reigns 22 minutes, 20 seconds via pin. Your thoughts first, sir. Um, it was a match. It didn't seem like they were even doing the TLC stuff early because they just weren't doing any TLC stuff. They were just having a wrestling match. And it's like, okay, you know, you can use like tables, ladders and chairs. Right. And they just didn't. And then it kept going. I don't think they used the, the ladder at all, honestly. And, you know, we had a bunch of interference because of, of course we did. Roman Reigns has no fucking friends. So sucks to be that guy. And then King Corbin won, which like, I don't even hate King Corbin winning, even though it, it seems like if you're going to set up Roman for his big WrestleMania run, you should have just had him win here. But I assume he gets his, 
revenge at some point. Like it, maybe Roman wins the Rumble and then what's a, the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view. They they do this because Corbin can claim he had a victory over him. And then so for Rumble, for Roman's title shot, and you go from there. So like I don't, I don't hate Corbin winning. Uh, the match just wasn't very good. I don't hate Corbin winning. I, I hate that it was a bad match that did not need to be a TLC match. I said that in the preview. Yeah. There's no reason for this to be a TLC match other than it was the TLC pay-per-view. Could have easily made this a no-disqualification match or some bullshit. Uh, it wasn't good. It was quite bad, actually. They didn't... They should have... They should have just made this the chairs match. They didn't have a fucking chairs match on this show. Sure. Why not? Corbin actually had a good chairs match with Callista. Yeah, there you go. So there you go. But, I mean, it wasn't good. And, like I said, it was quite bad. Uh, they didn't use the stip well at all. Um... It was like a big walk-in brawl until 15 guys arrived to beat the shit out of Roman Reigns, and it felt like twice as long as it was. Like, I was, it, it got near the end, and I'm like, please just end. Like, hit a move and pin him, please. Because I knew where they were going with it, and that, again, that's fine. The heel wins, he cheats, he's an asshole, there you go. But, I mean, at least have a good match to do it. And they didn't. Yeah, it it wasn't a good match at all, and uh, the the feud is going to continue. I guess where's the big dog mascot? Like, I feel like this is such an easy callback of you, and, and maybe it's coming, but I don't have much faith in this company. Um, but this is such an easy callback of bring this dumb mascot out and have Reigns kill this thing, and, and then, you know, people get the big pop off of this, because the whole feud is, is kind of stupidly set up anyway, but it's it's fun. I like I think it's dumb fun. Uh, your, your mileage may vary. Um, but like, bring this dumb mascot back out so Roman Reigns can neuter him. Either that or you do the spot where Reigns or Corbin's going to have his big uh, victory celebration and Reigns is in the dog suit and he beats his ass. One way or another, like you've got to pay off that stupid dog mascot thing. I, it, it feels so simple and something they would easily do back whenever. And for some reason, they're not touching it here. And it's not something, again, it's, it, like you said, it's something they've done back in the day. It's not new. We saw Kenny and Cody do it with the, the fucking uh, the bear, the business bear and shit Bernard. like that. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it, it's nothing new, but it, like you said, it makes sense. And it's like people are just kind of waiting for you to pay it off. So we went to our non-title match next. Champion Bray Wyatt and all of his sweater-wearing glory versus The Miz. Uh let me let me get the good out of the way. The good was there were no red lights. The good yes. was that the Miz was serious because he was out for revenge for his family. Except he decided to pose and shit during his entrance. Well, yeah, gotta, but I mean, still got to hit your poses. Yeah, you got to hit your mark, man. And I did like that they tried to differentiate from the Fiend and Bray Wyatt as like a dual personality thing. Unfortunately, Agreed. while the match was short, Bray Wyatt won in six minutes. I did not think the match was any good. And it just kind of existed. Bray won. Good. It's over. And then afterwards was the best part of it was Bray was going to kill Miz with his giant hammer. Because uh, the Fiend appeared on the screen. 
the lights went out and Daniel Bryan arrived in a hoodie, took him out with the Busaiku knee and showed off the short hair and beard after the fiend ripped all of his hair off. The only thing missing was his sweet cape from ROH. And then he ran wild on the fiend until the fiend disappeared before he could kill him with the hammer. So that feud will continue. And Miz is just a fucking geek. I hope that dude has a better 2020. Miz has always like he's been a geek this entire year. This year, honestly, kind of sucked for the Miz. And yeah, he. I mean, I guess he started off okay with the the tag team title stuff, but once he turned babyface, he just turned into a complete joke. Um, his offense didn't look good, and like his offense has, has never been the best, but it looked really bad tonight. They like, didn't buy any of it, and then Bray, uh, he didn't like completely no sell it fiend style, but it was clear that it was like it wasn't working. And then Bray beat him in like two moves, so Miz like can't even you know like fake that this this is gonna be uh, any type of a victory, even though it's a non-title match, and you could theoretically give the Miz a victory here. And it was all just set up the post-match angle, and the post-match angle was good. Uh, Bray the Fiend appearing on screen, and, and Bray, I do like Bray differentiating the the characters. Um, so I, I do like that aspect of it. Um, I wish they would even go a little further with that, but what can you do? Um, and Brian's return was good. You know, he, he looks like American Dragon again. Uh, the the crowd, they're a bunch of bitches for not chanting, you're going to get your fucking head kicked in because that chant rules. And yeah, I, the post-match angle was good. The, the match wasn't good. Unfortunately. The hits continue as we go to our tables match, Jeremy. Lashley defeated Rusev 13-35 via table. Um, Unfortunately, the ending did not come off well. Not that it would have saved the match by any means, but Lana attacked Rusev. Lashley speared Rusev into a table. It did not break. So then he had to suplex him through it to finally get the win. Um, The good news, I will say that there was some good. The good news is they hit each other really hard, which was mildly entertaining. (laughs) <laughs> the bad news is that it felt like it lasted an eternity. It was not laid out well at all. Um, and honestly, it was really boring because this show had dove off a fucking cliff, Thelma and Louise style. And I think even worse than that, this fucking feud is going to continue. I, this, this was the wrong spot for the table match. Like tables matches, one, they can be tough to to be good anyway, just because there you can. It's kind of like a last man standing match where like you can only tease stuff for so much, and like you can do it, you can pull it off. The problem is it has to be in the right spot. So it's not in the right spot because we had the TLC match earlier and we just saw guys go through tables. So when the only gimmick in this match is just a guy going through table, it's like all right, we've already seen this tonight. So why, like, I've seen a match with with chairs and a bunch of interference and uh, there was no ladders, but theoretically there could have been ladders and, and kendo sticks and dog food and all this shit. And, you know, so why am I just caring about some simple tables match? Uh, this should have been earlier on the show because once you, again, once you've seen a guy go through a table or multiple guys go through a tables, it's hard to just be like, all right, yay, more people going through tables like it's cool but if that's the only gimmick you're rocking with in the match it feels like a letdown um 
And yeah, it, it just it wasn't good. The the finish got screwed up because the the table went into business for itself on the spear and didn't break. And they saved it well enough because he, he immediately suplexed them through the other table. So I don't like I don't even blame the guys on that. I don't think had he had the spear worked, I don't think this would have all of a sudden been like a classic match. It was just it wasn't a good match. Yeah, unfortunately not. And like I said, unfortunately as well, it's going to continue. Uh, speaking of geeks, the Street Profits were backstage talking because they're not good enough to be on pay-per-view. As they were... scared the shit out of me. Their audio was so high. <laughs> yeah, that was a little weird. So they were backstage, they were trying to talk, and then Reigns and Corbin and a bunch of other geeks were brawling backstage. 24-7 title match broke out backstage. So, and that led to our main event of the evening, Jeremy. And all things considered, when you looked at the other matches leading to it, it looked like the right call. The women's tag team TLC match. The Kabuki Warriors versus Becky Lynch and Charlotte. The Kabuki Warriors defeated Becky Lynch and Charlotte 26 minutes. Jeremy, your thoughts, sir? It was the right call. This was the match I was most excited for. I think on paper, this was the match that had the the most potential as well because you knew it was going to be a car crash style kind of a match like they they headlined uh last year with um oscar becky and and charlotte and that was a, a good match that tlc match so i had no issue with this being the 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 main event the problem was I guess Kyrie got a concussion. I don't know what happened to her. She definitely got injured because she was knocked loopy. And once she was knocked loopy, it threw the match completely off. Like the the spear spot, the the power bomb spot, her just like weirdly running around trying to avoid taking any kind of damage. Uh, it it just wasn't it wasn't good. It really fell apart. After that, whenever that spot was, it might have been when she did the the elbow drop through the two tables that production completely missed. And I have no idea what actually happened on that spot. I just know that I guess Charlotte rolled out of the way and the table didn't break. And Kyrie looked dead after that. Becky didn't look good after that. I wouldn't be shocked if Becky had some type of injury as well. Um, they tried really hard, but it fell apart with the injury and it just looked it, it was it was overall just extremely sloppy and, and scary in a in a bad way. Like scary and remember remember those Charlotte and Sasha matches from way back when when we'd always be like, oh my god, these two ladies are gonna kill each other and not in a good way. It just looks like they're gonna drop each other and just yeah, it, like in an unsafe way. Like that's what this looked like. Yeah, um, I don't expect ladder matches to be like technically clean and perfect throughout because. Part of the thing with a ladder match like this is it's supposed to be a little rough around the edges because you're bringing in all those elements. Um, and they tried to get ambitious at times, and I think they suffered due to that because things were really just jointed and off early on. And this is even before Kyrie got hurt. Um, just things did not feel right. Like they were trying to like trap Charlotte in a chair. It didn't work right and stuff like that. And yeah, that was weird. Took them like five minutes to tie Becky to a ladder. Um, it was really, really, really physical. And they, they took rough bumps and stuff like that. And they tried really hard, but as you brought up the Kyrie Zane stuff, she, she looked out of it and in a bad way, it was kind of, kind of scary there. And you would have, I mean, I know it's hard to do, but I mean, you were doing that table spot with Charlotte and stuff. You probably could have just like 
taking Kyrie out and just left Charlotte dead on the floor and done something instead of having her out there still. But um, the other thing, too, is just the match structure. For me, it felt like there was a real severe lack of drama because they spent like 80% of the match on the floor. Uh, they tried to rely on like big boom spots instead of really creating drama around capturing the titles. Uh, I had high hopes for the match. I don't think they delivered in that, especially in the main event. I, I guess it was solid overall, but also disappointing at the same time. Because this is second month in a row, you know, a women's match that looked like it had a lot of potential, got the headline, and didn't deliver for whatever reason. And again, I think there were problems before Kyrie even got hurt. I'm not even talking about that. So it's just the ma- everything seemed to work against them. Yeah, I thought the match was there were certainly problems before she got hurt, like the the setting up the spot stuff. That's par for the course in these matches. Unfortunately, it is a lot of set it up, wait around, wait for something to happen. Um, I you know when they tied her to the ladder, uh, it took a while. I appreciate their craftsmanship. At least I didn't do a shitty uh, job like Joey Janela, where you just easily get out of whatever trying to knots they were tying. Um, but yeah, it was. I'm with you on like they didn't try to build around like winning the titles. They they tried to build around hurting each other. But I'm actually okay with that because you know Becky and Charlotte were definitely like looking for revenge. Like the the one spot where you know Oscar was laid out. And Kyrie is going crazy, like throwing chairs and stuff. Like, why, why didn't just Charlotte and Becky and Charlotte are just standing in the ring with the ladder set up? Why didn't Charlotte or Becky just climb the ladder and the other one just, all right, if you're gonna get in this ring, I'll just take you out. Like, why didn't that happen? And so they just both went outside to attack Kyrie. I'm okay with them building around like the revenge aspect instead of the title aspect. I wish commentary had pushed that a little bit more. I think that was a mistake that commentary wasn't cluing in enough on that. I did like the the rope spot where Asuka pulled the rope as, as Becky was uh, trying to climb at the very end. Charlotte also took a nasty powerbomb to the outside, which uh, again, they completely fucking missed. They had good good replays of it, but how do you not hit that spot? Like production sucked in this match too. It was, it was really bad. They missed a lot of stuff and just, just a disjointed mess. And it was a shame because I mean, I don't fault the women for the majority of this stuff. But at the same time, you look at WrestleMania, you look at survivor series, you look at tonight, they got to main event, all of these shows and none of it was like a memorable match and that's unfortunate because they all had potential going in but through some layout issues uh some some injuries some crowd just being dead whatever it was like all of them were just they they were just matches yeah and like on like kind of a side note and i i guess maybe it's not like a big deal but for me it is like i like oscar a lot i think she's great and this poor woman fucking gets overshadowed all the time because she wins the Women's Royal Rumble and then is overshadowed by Ronda Rousey's debut. And then she, you know, she wins the TLC match last year, but that was overshadowed by Ronda helping her. And then she gets to win tonight basically on her own because Kyrie was in La La Land. And then 
She, I mean, I know she's a heel, but like they don't even get to celebrate because you have the fucking geeks coming out to brawl to like end the show. That was really dumb. I, I didn't. I guess it's because they didn't want a heel deal to close the show, and, and like they, you know, they did this last month at Survivor Series. Like Shayna wins, and instead of you know the, closing the show with the the heel, it's just oh Becky's got to stand tall to close the show. Like have the heel stand tall to close the show. It's it's okay, you know, you know, build some heels. You don't have to go out on the crowd being like oh, the the babyface one, I can go home happy and stuff. Like it, I I don't know. I I don't see the big deal of of just having a heel win, close the show, and now you've added intrigue to the chase and stuff. There, there's nothing. Remember, remember at um, what was it all out where like we we both thought I I was I, I think far more adamant than you of oh Jericho like there's no way the closing shot is just going to be Jericho holding the title like that that's not going to be your closing shot. And it's not because like Jericho was uh, a heel. It's just I didn't think that was going to be your closing shot. And it was, and it's like, okay, that was the closing shot. It, maybe it felt disappointing because they created such great expectations, but it didn't feel disappointing because Jericho, the heel, closed the show. It, like, did did this spear spot really add anything? Did, did, did it make you go, oh man, this show is so much better because it ended with this cool Roman Reigns spear? Like, no, it was it was dumb. Just close with Asuka winning, and if you want to have Becky attack her to stand tall again and get the heat back, fine. But I don't even think that was necessary. Let the heel, let the let the heel close the show. Sometimes the heel has to stand tall, and that also goes to the thing that um, sometimes I think you know heels need to clean win. Heels don't always have to have shitty victories. Sometimes a heel can be you know just better than the baby face occasionally. And, you know, I don't know. It's just, I, I don't understand it. And it's like, yay, Roman speared him into a pile of geeks. The few Like the safest bump ever. Yeah. But and it's like... It's basically crowd dove onto people. Yeah, so it's like, the feud's gonna continue. Thanks for reminding me. You reminded me of the really bad match from earlier this evening. Appreciate it. How dare you to criticize the big banter and the big dog. Well, when Big Banter and the Big Dog have an actual good wrestling match, I will praise them. Uh, fair enough. I have no yeah, problem. I, I, pra- I praised Corbin when he did have good matches during King of the Ring and stuff. He had a good run during King of the Ring. I, I think Kabuki Warriors winning was the right call. They're they're setting up for Becky and Asuka at Royal Rumble, I would assume. It, it, it's headed that way, and... You know, that that should be good until it's not... Not using the mist in this match was a, a weird thing as well. Like, I understand you don't want to, like, completely overdo it, but it's also been a big story on this. So even, like, if you use it and Asuka blinds Kyrie, shit, that could have at least taken Kyrie out of the match. Uh, so that poor girl didn't have to take any more bumps. Um, but they, they didn't know that going in. But, like, or just it miss, you know, the mist missed uh whatever like just not even using it at all feel felt like uh, a missed opportunity yeah you thinking back on that match i'm trying to think back to where she 
possibly got knocked out. And I'm thinking there was a um, there was a spot when Charlotte and Becky were making the comeback, and they were like flinging them around. And I think she got like thrown into the barricade and went like kind of ass over tea kettle and landed on her head. I think that might have been it. People people have said that, or from what I what I've seen is it's the it's the exploder suplex that that Charlotte did on the floor like into the railing uh, that okay. Kyrie took. Yeah. People are also people have said like when they're throwing the monitors that she got bonked on the head with a monitor and like I I feel like it happened on the the table the elbow table spot because it, she looked really rough after that and and maybe she was a little woozy before that and i just didn't notice but that was where it was definitely noticeable where yeah the, get this poor girl out of here because because she's lost yeah uh, unfortunately so um yeah show ended on a kind of down note and um yeah, not a good show overall jeremy i would say a very average at best show um the first two matches were good definitely watch those matches because they were the best thing on the show after that it it fell off and yeah not like not a whole lot happening on this show it was a it was a throwaway show in every sense of the word and like that's how it, it ended up being. Like they didn't announce shit for the show until a week before. They didn't have any of the major titles on the line. Um, you know, Universal, U.S. Intercontinental, um, uh, WWE title. Like those are your four top singles titles. They weren't on the line. Raw Women, SmackDown Women's six top singles titles. None of them on the line. Like you, you had some champions in action, but. Your your top singles titles were not on the line on this pay per view, so it felt like a very throwaway show, and that's what it ended up being. It was a very placeholder show because they didn't resolve anything; they just continued a bunch of stuff on. And you know, go. I'm going to be honest. Going into this pay per view, I wasn't really looking forward to it. I thought it was one that had some potential, not like a lot. I didn't expect a lot out of it. And then it started off strongly with the pre-show match and the opening two pay-per-view matches. I'm like, hey, I'm like, all right. I'm like, fucking A, good. I'll be proven wrong all day long if I think something's going to be bad and it ends up being good. You know what I mean? I appreciate that. That's fine. Prove me fucking wrong. Started off well, but then like a lot of WWE pay-per-views this year especially, it just (sighs) fell off a cliff, man, and never recovered. Uh, I thought the women had a chance to at least rebound it at the end, but a combination of uh, an odd layout, some sloppiness, and then Kyrie getting hurt uh, kind of torpedoed those chances. And um, yeah, it's uh, it was it was not a good show after starting out pretty strong, and unfortunately, WWE closing the show on a down note. Yeah, I don't even think you can blame a a burnt out crowd on this because the show wasn't long. It, it wrapped up by ten thirty. So I mean, including the pre show, it was four and a half hours, which I guess is a little bit long. Um, but overall, I didn't I didn't feel like it didn't feel long. You know what I mean? It didn't feel like one of those five hour WWE shows. It felt like it went by fairly quickly. It's just. The action, for the most part, wasn't good. The the countout finish kind of screwed, uh, kind of killed the crowd, and it never quite recovered after that. And I mean, let's be honest: the 
the the feuds going into this weren't anything like to write home about the the Roman Reigns stuff. It's all it's all just campy. You know what I mean? Like the the rain stuff is campy with the dog food and the mascot. The Bray Wyatt stuff is the the campiest of camp. Like you you can't do any more kind of camp comedy than that stuff. The the Rusev and Lana stuff and Lashley stuff is just complete non serious nonsense. And, and the Becky and Charlotte and Kabuki Warrior stuff is serious like that's actually the the one serious feud they had going into this and maybe it could have turned around but unfortunately layout injury whatever it, it just it never really connected and i mean becky's cooled off a little charlotte's cooled off a little the kabuki warriors are great but the fans are still kind of having a tough time connecting with them just nothing in the company feels all that hot right now no, you're not wrong at all. I, I agree with that. And I wouldn't even say that Becky and Charlotte have cooled off a little. I think they've kind of cooled off a lot, actually. I oh, just, yeah. Compared to where Becky was heading into WrestleMania, she's she's ice cold. But uh, they picked it up with her with the Sasha Banks stuff. Um, so, so they heated her up good with that. But she's even cooled off since that. Charlotte... You know, she she got picked up with the the Trish Stratus stuff, but she's been cold after that. And, and then Kabuki Warriors, I mean, they've been cold all year until the heel turn, and that's still again that's good, but it's still like not quite. And, and I think people have a like Charlotte has mentioned this herself, and this is this isn't the an issue when you you have uh, these women and, and men because the men do it too, do these interviews and talk about like what they don't like and what they don't think is connecting in the company. I think it's good. It's refreshing to hear this stuff. But the problem is if you do hear this stuff, you realize kind of how dumb a lot of this is. Like when Charlotte goes on Corey Graves' podcast and be like, yeah, there's a disconnect in that. Why are Becky Lynch and I just like friends off of this? Like it hasn't been explained all that well and you've got Corey saying like charlotte doesn't look motivated and all this stuff like the the era of okay we're shooting brother and you know let's, let's light a fire and stuff is is pretty much gone and you're basically just revealing the secrets to the public and if the public is reading this stuff and a lot of them are it's t- unless you're explaining it on television it's tough to to rebound from a lot of this stuff yeah, I think that's completely fair, man. So, I don't know. Definitely a a downturn to end the year for WWE, and you know we'll we'll be starting up WrestleMania season with the Rumble here in January, January, and we will see where things go from there, Jeremy. Hopefully, they got something for the Rumble. Um, I mean, Roman seems like the consensus right now. Rumble season's always fun. Like I. I, it's one of my I like I love the Royal Rumble. It's my my second favorite pay per view of the year after Mania, um, in terms of WWE. But yeah, I, I love love the Rumble. I, I hope they I hope they got something because it's a cold product right now. At least main I, I mean NXT's main roster, Raw and SmackDown. It's a cold product right now. Yeah. Well, we got fucking Shayna and Ripley on Wednesday, Larry. Goddamn right, dude. Hype for that and Colin Balor too. Yeah, we got a, got some good yeah, stuff. So we'll uh, we'll see what happens. But yeah, may, the uh, Raw and SmackDown, uh, yeah, cold. I just nothing they're doing makes me excited these days. 
So we'll see what happens. But that is going to wrap up our TLC 2019 coverage. And guys, just hang on, and we will talk about ROH Final Battle to close things up. All right, so we're going to close out this show. Just in the spirit of full disclosure, we're recording this on Friday night, so I'm adding it in after everything else you just listened to. We will now go back and cover ROH Final Battle 2019, which Jeremy is super excited to do. I was more surprised by the non-intro because you're editing this in. So I was like, I was waiting for the typical intro, and you're like cutting into. Uh, you've gone back in time, I guess. That's right, Tarantino and <laughs> back to ROH Final Battle 2019. So. Yeah, ROH, let's go. So uh, we started off with the hour pre-show. Did you catch all these, Jeremy? I watched the pre-show. Larry. Awesome. All right, so we started off, first pre-show match, Silas Young and Josh Woods defeated Dalton Castle and Joe Hendry at 9.15 via pin. Uh, your thoughts, sir? It was fine. Um, I guess they're setting up Woods and, and Young for a title shot, which which is cool with me. Like They, they need some type of challengers there. Uh, Hendry and Dalton Castle just feel completely dead. Like I don't know what their plans are these guys moving forward but i have no interest in in whatever it is but the the match was inoffensive yeah i thought it was a perfectly solid match especially for a pre-show style match uh young and woods winning takes them to six and oh as a tag team which they mentioned and ian riccoboni also smartly mentioned that they do hold a win over jonathan gresham and jay lethal which um will make sense later on in the evening in terms of setting up title shot So I was perfectly fine with it. Yeah, perfectly solid little opener. No real complaints. I do agree with you that Hendry and Castle just feel like they have absolutely no direction right now, though. I have no idea what they're going to do with them. Joe Hendry got signed, and then he just... (laughs) They tried to turn him into something, and then once he got no reaction on his... Whatever his little catchphrase is, then they were like, all right, cut bait with this guy. He's just a dude. Yep. Uh, so we got a quick interview with Angelina Love saying that she wasn't scared of Maria Manic, even though she was going to get killed later tonight. Uh, Alex Shelley arrived. He put over Baltimore and all the great talent that's been in ROH and that have come back. He said that Colt Cabana didn't have a match on this show and that they never wrestled and he wanted a match with them. And Colt Cabana accepted. So we got a bonus match later in the show, which I was fine with. Yeah, the, the it, it was it was okay. Um, I, I like Alex Shelley. I like Cole Cabana, so I was fine with the match, and it was a nice little segment. Yep. And then we went on to Kenny King defeating Rhett Titus at 12:20 via pin. This was the battle of ex tag team partners. Rhett Titus had his wife and newborn son at ringside. Uh, Kenny King was a dick throughout the match. Ended up winning after a low blow. I thought it was pretty good for what it was. Nothing special. Maybe a smidge better than the opener. Um, but with the finish and the way they worked everything, obviously the feud will continue. I, it was better than I was expecting. I didn't expect much from this match, but I didn't think it was bad or anything. Yeah, I thought it was on par with the opener, uh, maybe a little bit better. Um, but I, I certainly was not expecting Kenny King and Red Titus to be something that I cared about. But I, they kind of hooked me in with the story a little bit, and I didn't I didn't mind this match. And then Kenny King taunting the wife and and being a dick and stuff. Yeah, it wasn't bad actually. Uh, uh, surprisingly, I guess. Yeah. 
And then we kept on. They uh, shifted one of the pay-per-view matches to the pre-show. And we got Dan Maff um, and Jeff Cobb, where Jeff Cobb defeated Dan Maff in uh, just over nine minutes. I thought it was uh, really good. It was fun, hard-hitting Haas fight, pretty much what you'd expect from these guys. Slightly surprised with the Cobb win. Maybe that means he's staying, which would obviously be good for ROH because they need guys like Cobb. Um, but yeah, I thought it was good. I thought Moff looked good. He looked good in his other appearances on the live events. He's worked at Raw Honor Club. And they uh, they had a hossy standoff after the match where they shook hands and chopped each other and shook hands again. So apparently they're cool with each other after beating the shit out of them. So, so. Can we talk about the bouncers trying to name drop Lamar Jackson and get the cheap Baltimore Ravens pop and this crowd did not care? <laughs> Yeah, they did not care. I was more, I, I laughed more at the fact that when they were asking them who should win the main event and they were split on it, and Malonis's decision was based off the fact that Roosh is our friend and drinks with us. I mean, that's a good reason to, you know, want to be friends with the guy and to to pick the guy to win. So anybody who's going to drink with you, yeah. Uh, Cobb and Dan Maff, I like this match. It was, as you said, a good Hoss battle. It didn't go too long or anything because uh, I guess they moved it to the pre-show to make the pre-show kind of a little bit more meaningful. Um, they did some good power stuff. Jeff Cobb with the, the superplex, uh, that he hit was, was awesome. And Jeff Cobb winning was, was the right call. Assuming he's going, I mean, even if he's not sticking around, like you would just rather see Jeff Cobb win this match, I think. So overall, good match. Yeah. So then we went on to the pay-per-view proper. We opened, I thought they opened smartly with Flip Gordon. Main event. Yeah, Flip Gordon and Marty Skrull versus Flamita and Bandito. Uh, the Mexican Bloods, uh, Flamito and Bandito, won the match at uh, 14.05 via pin. Jeremy, your thoughts first. Fantastic match, as you would expect from these four. Crowd was into, I think this was like the most they were into anything on the night. I, It was smart to open with this match. At the same time, like I joked that it was the main event, but it kind of felt like it because... Crowd really liked all four guys. They were obviously going to give... I mean, Marty's still their biggest star. They were going to give him a big reaction. They like Flip. They like Bandito. Flamita does uh, cool stuff, so he's easy to to get into. And it was a you know a, a really, really good match. Bandito and Flamita winning was fine. Um, it, we'll, we'll see where it goes. Maybe we can finally get that six-man title match. I have no idea what the hell they're doing with those things. Um, but really strong opener. Yeah, I liked it. thought it was great overall. Everybody was working really hard. As you said, the crowd was into this. Uh, probably more than anything on the show, I would agree with. A um, little bit of rough edges here and there, but very, very minor stuff, and I thought it was a really strong choice to kick off the show. Really enjoyed it, and uh, yeah, Flamita and Bandito rocking as a tag team, I will not complain about because they're pretty fucking great. Yeah. Next up, your boy Vincent defeated Matt Taven at 1340 via pin. Um, okay, overall, I actually thought this was good. Uh, I thought they played to the tone of, of the feud well. Like, Taven wasn't fucking around. He was running wild, looked pissed off. And he actually play, played babyface pretty well. Uh, the crowd wasn't into it as much as the opener, but they were into Taven decently. A little more than I thought, actually. Um, he ended up uh, being his own worst enemy, though, because he got pissed off at the end and tried to kill Vinny with the axe. And 
that led to the finish. It was um, he he countered the axe attack and Vincent hit the sliced bread and he won. So it was kind of out of nowhere, kind of flat. I think the biggest problem I have with this is Vincent's uh, defining heel characteristics appear to be that he's weird, poses a lot, and says, "Yeah, man," like <laughs> a lot. Um, it, it was fine. The, the crowd was like into Matt Taven, and that was weird because they weren't into his entire title reign. But now that he's a babyface, I guess like they 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 like him, which I guess is good that they're cheering him as a babyface. But it was just weird that Matt Taven like got good reactions and got the reactions that he was he didn't have like go away heat. It, Matt babyface Matt Taven is saving ROH. That's that's what's gonna happen here. Better than I expected. And then the the post match angle. Uh, what was someone had a good joke because Taven brings in the the axe and like the referee just doesn't do shit about it. He's like, yeah, whatever, do what you want. And someone joked, is murder legal in ROH? And Joe goes, well, yeah, Taven murdered their business this year. Nobody did anything about it. So, <laughs> Oh, Christ. Yeah, the, the, the post-match, uh, Bateman arrived. He's a newly signed dude. Gave the tombstone to Taven, and then Vincent brought in a wooden block, and they went all Kathy Bates and Misery on him and allegedly broke his ankle. Yeah, I, I like the post-match angle. Um, I don't know about a stable with Vincent um, as kind of your leader there, but I, I do like Bateman. I, the stable has a good look. Um, the the angle was was nice, even even like I'm not the biggest Matt Taven fan, but I felt a little bit bad for him here. Um, so overall, I I enjoyed this much more than I thought I was going to. I agree. I did too. So, I mean, yeah, I, was, I mean, I think that the thing with Taven too is if you objectively look at like his wrestling style and stuff, it's like he does have a good babyface arsenal. He really does. And like he has a lot of stuff that'll pop the crowd. I don't know how it's going to play long term and if personality wise it'll work. But I mean, I think there are some legs to it. I just, again, <clears throat> you need to kind of calm yourself with Matt Taven into the fact that uh, don't talk yourself into thinking he's the guy is the problem because we've already figured out that he wasn't. Uh, you're wrong. Babyface Matt Taven is the guy. Next up was our... You're, you're wrong, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, next up was the street fight between Mark Haskins and Bully Ray. Mark or Bully Ray sneak attacked uh, Mark and Vicky Haskins before the match, uh, laying them out with a barbed wire board, and that got Vicky taken out. And Mark Haskins won this match, Jeremy, in 16 minutes and 50 fucking seconds. Bully this Ray match in took 2019. Ever, fuck! It just kept going and going and I, I even tweeted at one point like this match is still going on it was so slow it was so plotting bully ray dominated they tried to turn uh, haskins into tommy dreamer like hit me you pussy and he's yelling fuck you on the mic and stuff which i can appreciate a good fuck you uh it just it went forever and then yeah it ended the way it should have, I guess. That Bully Ray got his comeuppance and everything, and cool. Like he he puts guys over. The problem is he, he puts them over after beating the shit out of them for twenty minutes, and it's it's tough to look at that as he made the guy. It's just 
he beat the shit out of the guy. They needed help to win. He needed his wife to win. And it made sense. He took his wife out to start the match. She came back. She got her. It all makes sense. I just don't know how much this actually does for Haskins. Well, I'll tell you, it does absolutely nothing for him. This this was every Bully Ray ROH match he ever works. He takes 95% of the match. As you said, he beats the shit out of the guy. He gets more time than anyone else on this show so far. And then he only loses when the babyface gets help, like when Flip Gordon got his big win. In theory, the story is fine because the babyface does win in the end. The babyface does get his revenge. But it really does nothing for Haskins going forward because, again, he needed help. And it also doesn't help when he hits the double, double stomp, the ref counts three, and then Bully Ray does yeah. that bullshit kick out right after three stop. <laughs> I noticed that as well, that he kicked out immediately after the three. And it's like, dude, like if you're going to put the guy over, put the guy over and lay there. Like, don't don't kick out at, right after the three count. Like, that's bullshit. So, yeah, I... Again, it all makes sense. I understand what they were trying to do. It just the execution was was very poor. I uh, completely agree. Uh, next up, we had our gentlemen's match between Alex Shelley and Colt Cabana. Alex Shelley won at six and a half minutes or so via pin. I thought it was a it was a good change of pace after the street fight, and I thought it was a fun and well executed little technical wrestling match. Yeah, after the the street fight, you needed something a little bit slower, more methodical, and Cabana and Shelly could go out there and do this. I wonder how much of this was, one, I think they wanted to get Cabana on the show in a wrestling capacity, and Alex Shelly was there, and, you know, it's a fine match to book, because according to Shelly, they've never wrestled each other, so they probably were just happy working against each other. Cabana's also got the uh, NWA stuff, um, well... By the time you listen to this, uh, the NWA stuff will be done. But recording this, he's got the NWA stuff tomorrow night. Uh, I, I don't think he's going to work a hard style in the NWA, but I think they probably didn't want him taking too much here in that it, there's always that injury risk. Um, and maybe ROH was looking out for the NWA a little bit or Cabana was looking out for his NWA investment a little bit there. Either way, I think this is the the right kind of match to have. And it was good. Both guys can wrestle that technical style, even though Cabana is known for his comedy. Like, he can work this style. And Shelly is one of, one of the best and one of the more underrated guys uh, in, in this generation. Yeah, a nice little gentlemanly match, you know, no no bullshit, no angles, just uh, two, two fellas with some grappling and technical wrestling. And yeah, again, nice little change of pace, and I'm all for that. Okay, before we get into the next match, Jeremy, I know you have the big <laughs> Women of Honor band, but let me ask, just let me ask you this question. On the surface, when you look at this match, Maria Manic versus Angelina Love, how would you have booked it? Uh, it would have been a 30-second a squash. Okay. Maria Manic obviously going over and destroying Angelina Love, right? No, Angelina Love winning. <laughs> this is Maria Manic uh, loser has has been signed since June and hasn't wrestled. She's obviously no good. <laughs> yeah, Manic should have squashed her in 30 seconds. All right. So, <laughs> the match, Maria Manic defeated Angelina Love at 6 minutes and 25 seconds via submission. Now listen, I will give them this. 
They had the right idea here because Maria Manic looked great and she beat the shit out of Angelina Love. She beat the shit out of Mandy Leon. But I don't understand why it had to go six minutes. It felt way too long when you could have accomplished it, at the very least, in half the time, if not shorter. I mean, because Love didn't get any comeback, any shine, or anything. She just got dominated. It only really went that long because Maria Manic decided to beat up Mandy Leon and pose a lot. Yeah, uh, I will talk about this match. I will lift the ban for this, but Uh-oh. mainly to look, yeah, mainly to look at the overall bigger Women of Honor picture and just rant and complain about it some more. Um, it, it went too long because, as you said, Angelina Love got nothing. It was just, it was uh, just a six-minute squash and squashes don't need to be six minutes it just if it's a squash it's a squash you you get it done in two three minutes maximum and you get out of there like that that's the whole purpose of the squash now the bigger picture here is manic wins looks like a killer even though it took her six minutes and like this is good she looks like a star she has star presence she you know she has a defined character and all of this stuff can you name me Five active Women of Honor competitors. Uh, okay. Five active Women of Honor competitors. Um, okay. Maria Manic. Angel- no, not counting Manic. Not oh, counting. Okay. Manic. Sorry. Angelina Love, technically still, unless she's leaving. Okay. Sumi Sakai. Is she active? When was the last time she wrestled? She had a match on one of the recent live event shows that I covered. Okay. I believe you because you okay. keep up with that. Uh, Jenny Rose, who had a match on one of the recent shows. And, uh, I guess technically Mandy Leone, but, when uh, was the last time Mandy Leone wrestled, she wrestled on the UK tour. <sighs> You're, I'm stretching a little bit. I can, <laughs> I can only give you four. So you got to give me the Mandy Leone to get me to four, but that's it. Yeah, no, I'm <laughs> allegedly, uh, Martin session moth is coming in, but maybe she thought better of it by now. <laughs> Yeah, really. All right, Mandy Leone did wrestle uh, on, in November, so it's been a month since since she's wrestled. So I guess technically she's active. Okay, yeah. See, there you go. <laughs> uh, yeah. So you named four, and we're stretching here. I, Maria Manic could be a star again. She has all the qualities. The problem is there's nothing in this division absolutely nothing like she's already squashed one of these people so mandy leone ain't fucking beating her sumi sakai maybe i I don't know what they're doing with jenny rose i didn't know she was active um kelly klein is gone like they they don't even have a champion right now because of that whole ordeal it's it's a dead division and even if Maria Manic can stand out in some way it doesn't matter because you have no depth behind her Completely agree. Yeah, I mean, it. Uh, in theory, I mean, the win looks really great, and she looked really great, and like you said, there is star potential, but, but there's absolutely no division around her. So, Session I, Moth and and uh, Maria gonna feud for like one whole year until be, maybe they're gonna they be can... the Dana Brooke and Sarah Logan of our <laughs> age. Uh, yeah, actually. That's a good comparison. They're working, just gonna working have two star specials around the loop. <laughs> They're gonna have a best of thirty-one or something. I guess. 
Okay, well, the good news is, is the show started to get better from here. Your boy, Jeremy Shane Taylor, yeah. the best in the world, faced off with Dragon Lee. Unfortunately for you, Dragon Lee defeated the best in the world, the TV champion, Shane Taylor, 1445 via pin. Your thoughts first. I'm fine with Dragon Lee winning. I like Dragon Lee. Uh, good match, really good match. On the level of the tag team opener, I did like the tag team opener a little bit more. The one thing that kind of held back on this match was one after Shane Taylor hit the greetings from two one six, the crowd was like it. It felt like they wanted that to be the finish. Like the crowd was behind Shane Taylor, and so they they wanted him. It seemed to to win this match, and so when that wasn't the finish, uh, the the crowd was seemed a little bit dejected. So that took away a little bit, and then. Roosh, or not Roosh, uh, Dragon Lee needing, <coughs> no, he needed a lot to put Shane Taylor away, which I'm cool with, but I don't know if it like fit with Dragon Lee. And I think it would have had your big angle played out after the main event, but it didn't. And so now I'm just kind of, I'd be interested into where they're going with this Dragon Lee, except that I don't have any faith that they're going to actually do like anything of substance with him outside of just have matches. I don't think they're going to actually tell a story with him, uh, but they put T- Shane Taylor over strong in, in this match. And if he's done, which it seems like he is, they, you know, the, the text leaked that he wasn't resigning. He, he told reporters three days ago that he hasn't resigned his contracts up at the end of the year. They got a couple weeks to get it done, but if those texts would be to believed, he's just, it's not going to happen. So he went out strong, Dragon Lee winning. No problem with that. Love Dragon Lee. I, I don't know what Arch is going to do with Dragon Lee, though. Yeah, and to kind of quick background for, so you know what Jeremy's talking about, basically what happened during the match is Shane Taylor had brought a chain into the match, Dragon Lee cut him off, ended up loading up the knee pad with it, gave him the, the running knee strike, he got one off of that, hit Desnucador, got two, took out Shane Taylor's manager, dropped the knee pad, and then finally hit the running knee strike for the pin. So, yeah, I mean, um, obviously they, they played the, um, the fighting from underneath thing really well, and... It, like Jeremy said, I had this big idea of a possible big angle at the end with like a Roosh Dragon Lee faction with some other guys. Did not happen, spoiler, for the next five minutes when we talk about it. But um, it would have been interesting because that would have shown like maybe why Dragon Lee had more of an edge and was willing to do heelish stuff. But it was just more he was willing to do it to overcome the bigger Shane Taylor. So... Uh, I thought the match was really great. I thought they played the size difference really well. I thought they kept a good pace. Uh, and I thought the closing stretch was really, really great. And uh, as you said, yeah, if Shane Taylor is done with the company, as rumored, I thought he put in a great effort in his way out. And he had a strong TV title run with 12 defenses. I thought he did a lot of good work this year. And I think it's, I think it's horrifically stupid if they're not re-signing the guy because they put a lot into him this year and he delivered. And now it's like... You know, we put all this into him, and we're just gonna let him go. And this is this is ROH. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you. Why why build the guy the way you did, and then don't resign him? Like it it doesn't really make any. It's one thing if he turns you down. Okay, then it is it is what it is. Like I still think you. You build the guy like we talked about it with LAX. Like you still do what you can to show that you're worth staying there, and and then you try to resign him. But 
why do all this and then not even try to resign him? Very weird. Yeah, I have absolutely no clue. And you know what? Like you said, that, hey, maybe he turned them down. And if that's the case and he has money waiting somewhere for him, good for Shane Taylor. I don't think that's it, though. Like, you saw those leaked text messages or emails. Like, it, by all accounts, it's that they didn't offer him a contract. Or they're not going to offer him a contract. Well, I mean, like Joey I Mercury. Said, I'm, just, I'm just slightly playing devil's advocate. I mean, if, I agree. If they're not re-signing him, they're stupid. Well, I think it's stupid. I think it's a really, really dumb fucking move. But I mean, like I said, hey, but all I'm saying is if Shane finds a way to get paid somewhere else, good for him. I mean, I, seriously. Somebody somebody will 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 pick him up. He had the, the television title reign, I think, did good things for him. I like the Shane Taylor promotions gimmick. I think you can uh, run that somewhere. I don't know if anybody will, but I think he'll do well on if he wants to just do like a little independent run as well. He'll probably, his uh, booking fee will probably be pretty good and maybe he, he does well there. I, I say somebody will pick him up, but like, you know, our WWE has so many guys that I don't know if they're going to bring them in. AEW has so many guys right now that I'm not sure if they're, they're going to want to bring them in. But maybe he gets a like an AEW deal and then can keep doing independent dates like uh, a lot of guys seem to have right now. I'll tell you honestly where I'd like to see him go is I'd like to see him go to Impact. Oh, that's a good call. I For some reason, Impact just blanked my mind, which... Because uh, I, I, I agree Impact. with you. WWE has way too many people right now. I think he could do really well in NXT, but I don't know if he'd get the time. And AEW, as you said, I mean, they still have... They have to work out how they're going to use everybody they have right now. So I don't think you need him, especially if there's a possibility of, like, a Marty coming in. So, I mean, yeah, if I'm Impact, I take a flyer at Shane Taylor, man, because I think... Again, he had a really good 2019, and I think he's a very positive addition to that roster. He he definitely is, and I I like what Impact has done this year. I don't know how many people are watching the product, but their their television show is a relatively easy watch. They do some interesting and different things, and I think Shane Taylor can. And, and you know, like the one thing I will say about Impact is. They're not afraid to just let it's almost it's kind of like what you would what AEW talks about being in that you know, they're they'll do all this this different kind of wacky stuff and they're not afraid to to push the envelope a little bit. And sometimes it can be corny and stuff, but it a lot of times like it does hit with that audience and they've created I've knocked them before for creating like for not knowing like who they are and creating like just a, uh, a, like trying to mix different universes and stuff like that. But now I like, I think they've just created an impact universe and it, it works for them. Um, and so Shane Taylor can probably do probably have a lot of freedom there and, and do very well. So I like Shane, Shane Taylor to impact. By the way, I don't know if you saw it, but uh, last weekend they did a impact plus special and a Twitch special. Elgin and Cage had a fucking great match on the Twitch special. Almost as good as their Slammiversary match. Like, really fucking great. I kind of wish that they would, like, throw that on TV during the holidays when they're doing, like, the best of stuff. Did did Josh Matthews need his phone back to cut the Twitch stream again? No, no. Thankfully, it uh, came off without a hitch. There were no technical issues on this Twitch show. 
<laughs> that's one of the best moments of 2019. Yeah, it it, it was funny. I agree, but no, it was uh, it, they had a really really great match. So I really enjoyed that. Uh, Rich Swan and uh, Sammy Callahan had a good match on the uh, Impact Plus special as well. Great match, not as good as Cage and Elgin, but very good stuff. I don't have Impact Plus. Give me your account. I see how it is. <laughs> I'll trade you my athletic password and account if you want to read stuff by The Athletic. I don't give a shit about The Athletic. <laughs> how dare you? They do good work over there. Yeah, I don't read it. I don't have time, dude. <laughs> Fair enough. I have, to watch I, all have this, I have to watch all this wrestling, and then i got to find time for all the stuff on my DVR. I don't have time to watch all this wrestling. That's why I can't watch these Impact Plus and Twitch specials and all this stuff. Like I just, I I barely watch AEW Dark. Like it's pulling teeth for me to watch that right now. I hear you, dude. So obviously you're not watching the greatness that's WWE main event with superstars like Ricochet and Cedric Alexander. I saw they were on main event. No, I can't remember the last time I watched main event, but I did see that they were on there and people freaked out over it. Well, the best part is everybody was telling me, don't worry about it. I know you're going to knock it right away. I'm sure they're going to get plenty of time. They got five fucking minutes. And it wasn't even an awesome five minutes like Aleister Black and Tazao on Raw. Why they're on main event? They probably just went out there. And they were like, "All right, cool. We're getting paid to be on main event. Let's just work some bullshit match that no one's gonna see and collect our paycheck." They like did. that's probably not the mindset you want them to have. But at the same time, like when they've been on Raw and working uh, top angles and stuff, like it's tough to just go to main event and and feel very uh, motivated. So can't blame. Them. To jump back to Impact real quick, I was uh, reviewing Explosion this week. Absolutely phenomenal Explosion match performance by Ethan Page. Because most of the time, like Explosion, it's like one of the stars versus a local, and it's a very go-through-the-motions match. Ethan Page is working this match with Cody Deaner, and they're in Windsor, so Cody Deaner's all over because that's where he worked a bunch of, BC- bunch of BCW. Ethan Page was working the most glorious, and I mean this in the best way, over-the-top heel house show style, making everything big and just doing everything, selling almost to ridiculous degrees to put Diener over. It was so much fun. So, love Ethan Page. Ethan Page is uh, cool. He's he's a good worker. He does uh, some cool backstage stuff and vlogging stuff. He was yeah. the one who, uh, I think, pitched the the throwback show and he may have pitched the the tna one night revival stuff as he well he did so. pitch that one night revival show because when him and yeah. josh alexander were doing the twitch stuff for them he talked about it all the time especially when they had scott demore on because they were reviewing like a scott demore dusty Rhodes match he's like we need to do it man tna one night only bring back the six-sided ring one night only wrestlemania weekend come on scott and they were on him for like 20 minutes about it so yeah, so uh, yeah, Ethan Page is a a multitasker in Impact, and he's just a nice guy. He is. So okay, back to the ROH pay per view tag team championship match. Jeremy, Jay Lethal and Jonathan Gresham defeated the Briscoes twenty one ten via pin to become the new tag team champions of the universe. Uh, it ended with uh, Gresham making the save on the Doomsday device and Jay Lethal cradling Jay Briscoe with the tights to pick up the win. 
I thought it started off a little bit slow, but I thought it really developed into a great tag team match with a really well done closing stretch. I thought the right call, um, they made the right call in crowning new champions. And not only the title change, but the heelish finish also sets us up nicely for a rematch down the line, which I am all for. This was a really good match. Um, I, I still like the opener a little bit better, but I can see that. Be, between this, the television match, and the opener, like it was four uh, strong or three strong. My, my math sucks. Uh, three strong matches on this card that I don't do star ratings, but but three matches where you could take time out of your day to to watch them and not feel like you uh, completely wasted your time. Uh, so, and it, it and what I did like about this match is that it felt like they were capable of more. And typically that can be like a bad thing. Like, okay, go out there, do all you can steal a show, whatever. But in this case, like it was still a really good match. And because of how the finish was kind of played out, as you said, like it sets up a rematch and because it it was a a slow build to start before it kicked into that, that next gear is like, all right, they like, they can probably have a better match if they want to go out there and do it, um, in the rematch. So overall, just, just really good I don't want to say basic tag team wrestling because that might come off as like a knock, but like that's what it was. They they stuck to a, a basic tag team formula, but when you do that correctly, like these two teams did, then it works, and this worked. Yeah, they did a great spot. Uh, Lethal and Gresham did this move. If you guys don't follow a ton of ROH, it's just a. Uh, it's like a rolling cutter where uh, Jay Monkey flips him into a cutter, and they they used to call it the Cornet Cutter to annoy Cornette. Um, so they went to do that. They did a big breakdown spot. They went for the Cornette cutter, but um, he got, um, Gresham got caught out of midair by Mark into a DVD for a really good near fall. So I thought that was cool. Uh, yeah, just a lot of good stuff. I thought it built smartly all throughout. Uh, they hit the home stretch really hard. And like you said too, this, that opening tag on the pay-per-view and the TV title match are your, your really standout matches for this show. Good call winning or having Lethal and Gresham win. I think that was the the right move for, I mean, short-term and long-term. Like, the Briscoes are the Briscoes. They're going to be fine regardless. Lethal and, Gre- Lethal and Gresham with the the heel turn by both men, they, they needed this win because if you beat them here, it's just like, all right, you know, you failed at, at your big heel turn here. So why should we buy into you moving forward? And as I said, and as you said, like, because of the way they did the finish, you can go back to this match and you can, you can work potentially an even better match. I think so. Yeah. So that's going to take us to our main event of the evening, Jeremy. That should have been the main event. Well, yeah, but the (laughs) ROH world title match. PCO defeated Roosh to become the new champion at 22 and a half minutes via pin. Do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Uh, I I don't know. The match sucked. (laughs) You go then. So you're already starting. All right, the the match sucked. That's that's what it was. It got. I mean, we figured it was gonna need some type of smoke and mirrors, and I guess they changed it to a smoke and mirrors match at the the very end. Fine, like I'm I'm cool with that because 
if they tried to do just a straight wrestling match, it probably would have been worse. The problem was they did the smoke and mirror stuff, but it went fucking forever. And it just, the, the offense wasn't good. PCO, God bless him. The story is great. Uh, it's cool how he was essentially left for dead uh, many years ago. And then Janela books him. He he and Walter chop the fuck out of each other. And now he a year and a half, I guess almost two years later, he's he's ROH world champion. Like it's a cool story, but at the same time, he's two weeks away from being 52, and he just like he can't really work that well anymore. Uh and he goes out there, he tries, he busts his ass, he takes a bunch of big falls and stuff, and like it's it's fine, but like he's wrestling Roosh, and Roosh is good, and Roosh just got brought down to like that kind of PCO level. And okay, we've seen garbage match. I mean, we we saw it this year with Moxley and Omega, and it was good. But that's because like both guys could keep up with each other doing this stuff. This was just one dude trying to kill himself, and, and Roosh just kind of playing along, and it. It was very sports entertainment. I compared it to like the Hell in a Cell match with with Rollins and the Fiend. His Destro comes out, then he shocks PCO back to life, and like okay, the crowd kind of liked it, but they were dead for most of this match too. It was just the most sports entertainment thing ever, and fine if you want to do that, but you still need to like do it well. And this wasn't done well. The crowd did not care, and PCO wins, which. You can give your thoughts on the match, and then we'll talk about the the decision to put the title on PCO. All right, so Jeremy, our thoughts are going to echo a lot. They have this match; it's way too fucking long. It was something, and it wasn't good. Um, we talked about this in the preview. If you read my written preview, I was fearful of the kind of match we were going to get. And we got exactly what I feared. This was really slow. It was a completely disjointed plunder brawl. And then, like, midway through, they do this spot where Roosh, like, kills PCO by throwing him off the stage onto a fucking pile of barricades. And there's a hearse there that PCO allegedly drove to the arena, and it's billowing with smoke and fog and shit, and Destro, the dude that reincarnated PCO, arrives, and he gets jumper cables, and he's gonna open the hood, and he's gonna jumper cable PCO back to life. But this motherfucker can't open the hood. (laughs) He could not open the hood, so he had to rip the fucking plastic grating off. And then, like, shove the jumper cables in there and then pretend to electrocute PCO. It was at this point they completely lost the crowd. They were mildly into it until that point. And then when it got to there, everybody was kind of like, fuck off. It breaks down into a collection of putting fuckers through a door, chair shots, barricade shots... It's the PCO match. It's the one match ROH knows how to book. He goes through a bunch of shit. He takes a bunch of punishment. He misses the senton onto the apron. And then he fires and makes the big comeback because he's not a man. He's a monster. 
And he overcomes and he hits a PCO assault through the table and he wins the championship. As Jeremy said, the PCO win is, it's a lovely fucking story. It really is. It's a great comeback story. But if you're in the position ROH is in right now, it's not the story you tell right now. You've cut the fucking knees off of the Roosh title run already. Why? Now, I've read somewhere, a couple places that, well, Roosh isn't setting the world on fire. How long has he had the fucking belt? Yeah, he got it in September. Like, he's had it for less than three months because it was the end of September. And, of course, he's not setting the world on fire. Matt Taven burned the entire world. <laughs> like, uh, I, I, I guess setting the world, whatever. Matt Taven... Um, made made it fireproof or something i don't know but yeah matt taven matt taven set the world on fire and and that's the problem you can't expect roosh to undo nine months of damage in three fucking months okay no like this was their big wasn't this their first big pay-per-view after death before dishonor yes yeah so he he didn't even get like a big pay-per-view to try to turn things around he got television which no one watches except for you and he got like he got some and they had a a uk tour in the middle of that which it's you know it's it's tough to gain traction in the u.s when you're spending a weekend or so in the uk and then to make matters worse all this bullshit with kelly klein comes out like that's not roosh's fault exactly so again the pco story i don't have a problem with it's nice but it was the wrong time it's a great it's a lifetime achievement award for the guy and it's that's fine but it was a bad main event it was bad professional wrestling it wasn't even a well done story that at the end you you felt like it wasn't like when it was over i was like god i feel so good for pco that that was such a great thing it's like no it's just all i could feel was it was like it was a bad match that was poorly put together that nobody cared about, and you made another bad business decision. Yeah, the fact that the like the match sucked, and so that's never good. That your big main event, your your big championship title change here ends in a match that completely sucked, and that the crowd didn't pop for, didn't care about anything like that like if if pco wins and you shave 10 minutes off of this match because it did not need to go 22 minutes yeah, you, she, you shave she, it went 22 30 so if we shave about you know 21 off of it you know, <laughs> yeah uh you, you shave at, at least 10 minutes off of this match um and pco wins and all right maybe it's like a, a two and a half three star match or something but he he still gets like a big pop or something it's like all right maybe you know at least he got that pop it, it, we'll see what happens but this is just it I, it wasn't it wasn't a memorable match it wasn't a memorable pop it wasn't a memorable moment as you said like when pco won i didn't feel like oh this is like this is cool like this is a good moment for him i felt like this is fucking stupid like why would you just job out roosh like that uh you know cut off his title reign when he was a good thing you could have had going and then the match sucked on top of that it just pco's not turning their business around all right um he 
he has a nice little cult following that's cool. It's not going to it's not going to mean anything because he can't work. Like he he can't like what's your main events going to be? These PCO matches aren't cut. I mean, they're not. And again, this is no disrespect to the guy because he works his ass off. He takes bumps that he shouldn't be taking at his age. I'm not saying he doesn't work hard. I'm not saying he doesn't deserve a chance. I'm talking, you know, we're also talking business-wise. Not just match quality, not just quality of your shows. We're talking about you're trying to turn a business around that underwent a horrible first two-thirds or three-fourths of your year. And it looked like you were going to turn things around with that Roosh title win. And, you know, then on this show, you look at the things you did on this show. I mean, again, it's not all perfect, right? But let's at least be a little positive here. Silas Young and Josh Woods are put in perfect position to challenge for the tag titles. They're undefeated, and they hold a win over the new tag team champions. This is a good thing. Flamita and Bandito looked awesome as a tag team. That's a good thing. The Matt Taven babyface run may have a little potential. He got over pretty well tonight, okay? You tried. Now, you don't have the division to back it up, but they tried to make a star with Maria Manic. I don't know if it worked or not, Jeremy, but they tried. But to your point, they don't have the division to back it up right now. Um, Dragon Lee is your TV champion is a great move. He had a great match. He has a chance to work with a ton of guys and have more great matches. I think that's a positive move. Jay Lethal and Jonathan Gresham have a great tag team match. They're going to have rematches with the Briscoes, probably have more great matches and possibly great matches with other people. They're fresh champions. I really like that. That's a good thing. But then you have stuff like Bully Ray chewing up 17 minutes of pay-per-view time in an effort that really doesn't put Haskins over. Uh, And then that main event. It's just, it wasn't good by any stretch of the imagination. People are going to try to tell you it's a good match. Don't fall for it. It's a trap. I'm borrowing from my friend Garrett. It's a (laughs) trap. It was not good. And again, this isn't like... It's not like PCO was this super hot baby face and he's moving a fuck ton of merch. He's not Marty fucking Skrull. Yeah, that that's the other thing is, all right, if PCO like had some momentum, then okay, cool. He really didn't. Like the last big match he was in, which was the Marty match, wasn't good. Like that kind of sucked. And that kind of sucked a lot of momentum out of PCO. Like, they had Taven. Honestly, he had the most momentum when he faced Taven. And like, if they had done the title switch there, and that match is actually good, like shockingly good. Um, and they'd done the title switch there, like that would have been a pretty big reaction. And it would have been like, oh, okay. Like this, this is, I don't know if PCO was a long-term solution, but this, you can do something here. We'll see what happens through the summer with him. Cause I, I think that was like Taven's first title defense. It, but they they didn't put it on him there, and then they spent the summer like doing in the fall like doing nothing with PCO until he had the Skrull match, which did more harm than good because no one really wanted to see him beat Skrull, and but he did, and the match wasn't good, and the the post match stuff, yeah, 
like the the whole ordeal was just weird and and sucked and just yeah and then like he had no momentum going into this like when we did the preview i was like i like I don't care that this is the main event. I like Roosh. I like PCO. I'm not excited for this main event. And they had that match. And now PCO is your champion. And I, I, I don't know what they're doing. If this was their audition to get on the WWE network, uh, it was perfect. And that's what I'm going to take this as. Overall show wise, Jeremy, what did you think of final battle 2019? Three really strong matches, so it's tough to like say it was a bad show because you got three really strong matches that you should go out of your way to watch. But you had you also had the the bully raid nonsense, which was just way too long, and then like the lasting effect is your main event and what you closed with and that like that's the taste that's going to be in everybody's mouth when they turn off the show when the show ends when they leave the arena whatever and the main event sucked so for that like i can't call it a success because they just completely screwed up the main event uh as as far as an overall show like my enjoyment I enjoyed it. It was a, a fairly easy watch outside of um, the, the two matches we, we talked about that just went way too long. But you got one really strong match per hour. I know two of those were back-to-back, but on average, you got one really strong match per hour. So it, it was it was a show. It didn't feel like the biggest show of the year for the company, That mainly because there was like 200 people in attendance. And they booed Lamar Jackson, which I don't understand because he's awesome. And then you you left them with that that taste in your mouth at the very end. Yeah, for me, Final Battle was kind of the best and worst of ROH all wrapped into one. The wrestling was largely good. There was even some great stuff. But you have the Bully Ray match eating up 17 minutes, which was just bad. He didn't really put Haskins over. The main event was bad. Um, and it's just... I don't know. ROH does this thing to where they wait too long to pull the trigger on somebody on the big title win. And in Marty's case, they don't do it at all. So I just... I don't get the PCO title win at all. It's not like he was a hugely overact. Nobody was begging for him to be champion. You cut off a year of Roosh being undefeated and possibly being a guy that could help turn you around. But of course, you just you don't give him a chance to run. Th- you don't give him a chance to run with it. You gave Matt Taven a chance, but you're not going to give Roosh a chance. I thought the show was like kind of between average and like pretty good. Like it was far from bad, but it was also extremely far from the home run that this company need headed in the next year. It definitely wasn't the home run that they needed heading into next year. I, I don't even think it was a triple. Um, In maybe, ground rule double, maybe? I was going to say a double on an error. So a single uh, that, that got turned into a double because the outfielder misplayed the ball. <laughs> um, there that, like that, that's the, I think that's, a ground rule double might be a, a best case scenario, but I'm, I'm going with a, a double on an error because yeah, they got to second, but look how they got there. You know what the worst part about late night TV is on? I have my TV on here in the background as we're doing this is, uh, 
they're showing an infomercial for a fucking churro making machine. Churro like, magic. It looks like a like a forming grill and it makes churros and I'm like, God damn, I wanna buy that. I love a good churro. Ch- what channel are you watching? I don't know what channel I have on. It's just like it's an infomercial, dude. It's on like what am I watching? I'll tell you what I'm watching. Everybody's gonna be wanting to know what the hell I'm watching now. I'm, uh, I'm watching H and I because I was wa- I had Star Trek reruns on in the background. Okay, but anyway, I, I need Churro Magic the... now. If anybody's shopping for Larry for Christmas, Churro Magic would be great. <laughs> but um, all right, all right. Any uh, anything else in closing on tonight's show, Jeremy? No, it was. It was ROH final battle. You're going to make me keep watching this shit, I guess. That's right, Jeremy. So at this time, I want to thank <laughs> everybody for listening. This was the 411 on Wrestling Podcast. You can follow us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, the 411mania.com website, any major podcasting platform. Please make sure to subscribe to the show, share us around on social media. And if you have time, leave us a five-star review on iTunes or anywhere else you're listening. Until next time, I'm Larry Zonka, Jeremy Lambert joining me as always, and we will see you next time.